You're listening to Grant Edwards, 88.1 FM, The Wireless, The World at Five. It sounds really good. It's it like, sounds real, dude. Not bad, huh? This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. 88.1 FM, The Wireless, International News. Canada's top court ruled this week that the country's Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, broke the highest law in the land by invoking a national security law to crack down on protesters during the pandemic. Thousands of truckers and demonstrators converged on the Canadian capital, where they besieged Parliament Hill in 2022, protesting against the government and its draconian vaccine mandates and COVID restrictions. The demonstration shaking Canada's reputation for civility, inspiring similar convoys in France, New Zealand and the Netherlands, and interrupting trade. Trudeau's government invoked the Emergencies Act to suppress the protest famously known as the Freedom Convoy and to arrest its organisers. The act giving authorities the power to declare certain areas no-go zones and the power to freeze truckers' bank accounts and credit cards. We faced, as a country and as a government, an incredibly serious threat. A threat to the public safety of many Canadians, a threat to our national security, including our national economic security. We acted to secure and protect Canada and to secure and protect the national interest. But a federal judge ruled on Tuesday that the use of the Emergencies Act was unconstitutional and unreasonable, concluding there was no national emergency and no threat to national security. The government has vowed to appeal the ruling. Meanwhile, farmers in Italy joined a growing movement this week, protesting against the EU's ludicrous climate policies that they say are designed to harm the farming industry. The elites are failing to contain the mounting anger as farmers push back against tyrannical taxes and regulations. Thousands of farmers have taken to the streets in their tractors and trucks to vent their fury in recent weeks, blocking highways and key roads in several European nations, including Germany, France, Poland, Romania, Belgium and now Italy. Also making news this week, Russia hit out at Israel for its relentless bombardment of Gaza. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov telling the UN Security Council that the Palestinian territory has been obliterated and will unlikely be inhabitable once the war ends. There are doubts that Gaza will be inhabitable one day after the conflict ends as a result of the bombardments, the soil, the subsoil, coastal waters, the air, all of them have been polluted on an unprecedented scale by the bombardments, by the chemicals that have been released, by the biomass, which is now rotting, as awful as that sounds, as well as other waste and sewage. There are no more natural, non-artificial water sources. Practically, all of the sanitation infrastructure is gone. Roughly 20% of uh, agricultural lands in Gaza will never be restored. Meanwhile, the International Red Cross once again called on Israel to protect civilian lives in Gaza. The vice president of the global medical group telling RT International it was paramount that Israel respected humanitarian law. The most important action is the protection of civilians, the protection of those who do not or no longer take part in the hostilities. And that's the core of international humanitarian law. That means the most important action is that humanitarian law is respected in this conflict. 
that those who are not part of the conflict are protected and safe. This has been Matt Boyland with your weekly news wrap. I'll be back with more at the top of the next hour. A better business tip from TNT Radio. News Talk Radio listeners are some of the most active and involved listeners of any format. TNT Radio listeners rely on TNT Radio often as their primary source of information. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to TNTradio.live. 88.1 FM, the wireless weather. Uh, very good morning to you this morning. It's five coming up to five minutes past. I think it is. Yes, uh, great. What does my clock say? Yes, pretty much. Pretty pretty near enough to five minutes past five. I hope you're having a great morning there. Gosh, we had some we had some terrible things happening here in the studio. We had all sorts of funny things going on with um, time and things and news turning up at the wrong place. Anyway, let's look at that short forecast. But before we do, how about the temperatures? Let's look at those. Well, the um, the extremes at the moment, Auckland and Manukau has got the highest temperature right now at this hour of the morning, 5 past 5. Uh, Auckland there, it is in uh, South Auckland, isn't it? Manukau, that's what they call it. Manukau actually is a city on its own. It's not really South Auckland, although they, they like to say that. 19 degrees and Waitati, 7.4. That's the lowest temperature in the country. Christchurch and the foothills, it's got a wee bit of a breeze blowing through there. 37 kilometres of wind. That's the, mo- the windiest place to be in the whole country. And currently on the uh, Met Service, yes, the MetService.com uh, radar, there is no rain in any of the main centres uh, as I speak. Let's look at the main temperatures, though. Ta- the main temperatures right across the whole uh, country. We've got Chatham Islands on 18 degrees, Stewart Island 12 degrees. A little bit cooler in Invercargill. Morning to you, 10 degrees there. Dunedin, yes, hello, hello, at 12 degrees. And Timaru, a little bit further up the east coast, 13 degrees. And Christchurch is on 14. Blenheim is uh, cooler again, 11 degrees this morning. Back down to Queenstown, and they've got exactly the same temperature as Blenheim with 11 degrees. Over to the west coast, France Joseph have got 9 degrees, Westport 12. Nelson's on 17, so it's quite warm up on the north, uh, north, 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 northwestern area there, northwestern peak. No whales stranded up there this morning, but we do have a whale stranding. We'll tell you a little bit about that on the um, as the morning proceeds. Uh, in the bottom of the South Island, Wellington has 14 degrees. Masterton, they've cooled off again, like I was saying. When John Ansell left Masterton at Strath, Strath something rather, college that he went to, um, it, uh, it was a cool place, but now it's, well... <laughs> It was only cool when he was there. All right, Masterton. Well, it was hot, actually. It was hot. He was hot, apparently. Uh, that's old John Ansel. Masterton, 11. Uh, no, uh, 8. See, like I told you, John, 8 degrees. Wellington's 14, and that's 8. Uh, Palmerston North, 15. Napier's on 13. New Plymouth, uh, 17 degrees this morning. Good morning to you, New Plymouth. Out there next to Mont- Mount Egmont. There. Do you still call it Mount Egmont? You don't? Oh, I do. Yeah, and you call it the Naki, don't you? Taranaki, the Naki. We're out there. Yeah, where, where are you from? Oh, from the Naki. Oh, I see. Christchurch, um, what have you got over there? You've got 17 degrees along with Gisborne as well. Hamilton's on 13. Auckland, 19. Wangaray, 19 as well. And also Kaitai. You're all on 19, so it's warm and toasty there. Let's look at, before that trailer bed runs out, let's do the short forecast. For Northland, Waitomo, including the Coromandel Peninsula, showers, some possibly heavy this morning, and again for a time this afternoon. For Gisborne and Hawke's Bay, scattered showers turning to rain this evening. Heavy falls possible. Oh, there we are, too late. There we are, that's the end of that. No. Uh, 
uh, heavy falls. Um, you've got uh, possible north of Wairua there. For the Bay of Plenty, Taupo, Taihapi and Wairarapa and Wellington, rain with heavy falls and possible thunderstorms before dawn. Uh, and uh, you've got, um, that's going to be in the east. And then they're, they're going to be easing away to isolated showers. And it's going to be returning to Gisborne and Hawke's Bay from the evening with heavy falls possible there. So sorry about that, uh, Bay of Plenty people. Uh, from the west, from Waitomo to Kapiti Coast, you have, uh, or Kapiti, they've been telling me, my list has been telling me off for saying Kapiti, Kapiti Coast. Um, there, uh, you've got uh, mainly fine with a few morning showers from, from uh, am I allowed to say Waitomo? No? It has to be Waitomo. Oh, okay. All right, then we'll do that. Uh, Wanganui. And where's Dicker this morning? He's, I think he's still in bed. I'll get him out later. Uh, Wanganui. South Island. Now, what have we got here? It says South Island. Well, we, well, aren't we doing the South Island? Oh, we are. The whole of the South Island. Look, mainly fine for most of you today. The whole of the South Island. Isn't that incredible? Mainly fine. Areas of uh, morning cloud. I thought we had some terrible storm coming over from Cyclone uh, Kuru. Kirillili or whatever, however you say it. Uh, the main, yeah, the main, mainly fine for you down there in the South Island. You've got areas of morning cloud, then you've got some isolated early showers, and after that, you've just got low cloud in the east at night. For the Chathams, you've got low cloud as well. Low cloud and a period of rain easing this afternoon. We won't worry about the extended forecast because I sort of slaved over that, didn't I? Yeah, nine minutes past five. Radio works because of its ability to personalize to the listener. What's exciting these days is that people are rediscovering it. You know, people are really rediscovering just how powerful radio is, how ubiquitous it is. It's in our cars, it's in our homes. There are so many new ways to access it. It's everywhere. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. You're listening to Grant Edwards, 88.1 FM, The Wireless, The World at Five. Why did God have the stone rolled away at the tomb? What, what was the purpose of that? And, of course, they fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. They said, well, to let him out. <laughs> I said, well, I don't want to embarrass you, but... <laughs> But let me embarrass later, you. Later, later, yeah, exactly. <laughs> later on, after he came out, he went through walls. He wasn't going through doors. He was going through walls. Well, why didn't he just go through the rock? They didn't roll the stone away, as in they, the spiritual forces of good, God or Jesus. They didn't roll it away to let him out. They rolled it away to let Mary Magdalene and her friends in. The only country that really worries me is uh, the country of Germany. I don't know if you guys are history buffs or not, but... uh, (laughs) Germany decided to go to war. And uh, who did they go to war with? The world. (laughs) So you figure that would take about five seconds for the world to win, but uh, no, it was actually close. Then about 30 years pass, and uh, Germany decides again to go to war, and again it chooses as its enemy the world. (laughs) But you'd think at that point the world will go, listen, Germany, here's the deal. You don't get to be a country no more on account of you keep attacking the world.
Yeah, that's right. Okay, well, very good morning to you all. I hope you're all having a great, a great. Oh gosh, was that a wheeze? Oh, better. What am I doing that's causing a wheeze? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, let's see. Okay, well, what happened on this day? Well, I'll tell you. Well, on the 29th of January in 1842, Auckland's first anniversary regatta. That's the sailing when all the boats get into the Auckland Harbour. Let's hope it's a good day for them. That's going to happen today uh, in Auckland as well. But it happened, the first one happened in 1842. Auckland's anniversary day commemorates the arrival of Lieutenant Governor William Hobson in the Bay of Islands in 1840. And they did that two years later and it's been going ever since. Anniversary. I think this is the real one. This is where we all celebrate. <laughs> Auckland, the beginning of Auckland anyway. Uh, well, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. All right, so let's look at news right across the uh, country. We've got it, we've got um, Witi Ihimaira. He's, um, he's, he's going to be talking about the massive rise. This is front page from Radio New Zealand, can you believe it? Maori ri- the, 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 the massive rise to, uh, to come of Maori culture in 2024. This is the headline, the main story this morning, just come out. And there's an audio there. Uh, he's, the, he's an author. His name is Witi Ihimaira, and he says that um, revisiting short stories from Ponamu Ponamo will have helped him recapture the enthusiasm of writing and telling Maori stories. Really, it's just Maori. It's co- when you think culture, culture, what does that mean? What does it mean? Well, I'll tell you what it means. It just means religion. That's all it is. It's just ancient paganism, which the Maoris learnt from the Europeans, uh, from the Eastern, I should say, from the Middle Eastern people, because that's how they got here. Really, initially, they all, I mean, everyone, we all came from the, didn't we? We all came from the Middle East and just worked our way, worked our way uh, east. And here we are in little old New Zealand and the, the Maori have been brought by the, by the British and the European settlers and the, and the missionaries. Earlier than that, it was actually the missionaries, people like Tom and um, Kate, um, oh, I can't remember the names. Anyway, they had the first little Bible sort of church there. A little faray, we call it here in New Zealand. And uh, anyway, they, well, they've gone back to it now, haven't they? Like the Bible says they're like a dog returning to his own vomit. They've gone back to the ancient paganism that they all left behind. <laughs> now they've gone back to it. Yeah, there we are. So that's going to be full of more Maori paganism. That's what it is, folks. You know, that culture, it's just religious mumbo-jumbo. There it is. There's a word you're not allowed to say on commercial radio. But that's what it is. It's superstition. Uh, it's uh, really, it, it's all about sort of phallic symbols. That's where it comes from. That's why you have those penises and Waka, Wakatani there, that fellow with the chainsaw. I think he was a Seventh-day Adventist, which is, you know, it's a misguided fool anyway. But um, he cut, he got his chainsaw out and he cut all the penises off the Maori, um, the Maori uh, uh, carvings that were standing along the roadside there, which is quite ridiculous, really. You'd think they'd just get rid of all that old ancient paganism, but no, 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 no. They want to get back to get back to sort of the devil worship that they came from. They were saved from it, and now they're going back to it. So there we are. That's the problem with uh, Maori. So you best just leave it. The Bible says, forgetting the, those things which are behind, we press on towards the mark, or something like that, sort of Grant's interpretation of it. So in other words, forget about all your old pagan stuff. I mean, there's things that in the past that... that um, Really, they're not worth revisiting. I mean, what were you famous for? Sort of eating your friends? 15 minutes past five, two by the eat your mates. 
or, or let your enemies actually, because there weren't any tigers here and they had fortresses, didn't they? The Pars are basically fortresses. I mean, they went to Ratna. Ratna's what? It's a, it's a par. It's a fortress. That's what par means. It's a fortress. It's not a little marae that welcomes everybody. It's a fortress. And why, why was that? Did they have any wild animals here? Were there any tigers that would, would attack you? No, no. What did they have? Well, they had their other friends. They had their other Maoris that they'd fallen out with and they'd formed different tribes. They call them iwi today, but they're just tribes. And, um, and they were warring with one another. And what did they do? They didn't just sort of like shoot them and bury them, you know, and say, oh, fair enough, you won. Oh, no, they took slaves <laughs> and then they ate them. They ate people. They actually had meals on wheels, didn't they? I don't know if they had wheels back then. I don't think the wheel had come. No, they didn't have wheels. They had to walk everywhere to get everything. I don't know how they got water. They would have had to, um, gosh, how would they bring, how would they sort of get water? They didn't have any pots or anything like that. So that didn't really arrive until the whalers sort of started trading with them. And then they were pimping out their daughters in lieu of, in lieu of gifts from the ships, I suppose. That's usually what they do. But that's what was happening there. So, but... You know, what's the story? Why do you want to go back? Why does Maori want to go back to their ancient paganism? Because that's what it is. It's culture, your culture, nonsense. Nonsense, you've got to leave all that alone. I know people that sort of like get tattoos removed, you know, when they become a Christian, they get rid of it. They don't want to be reminded of the of the life they used to live. And now they've got a new life in Christ. That's the Bible. <laughs> I mean, what has happened? Are we living? Are we living here in New Zealand in a sort of post-Christian era now? So I suppose we're not. I suppose we've got. We've been. We've been putting into power. It's our own blimmin' fault, isn't it? I mean, we have been voting for these half what's we've voting for communists the last sort of six years, six or seven years. We've had communism ruling our country. They're global communism. Now we've got global fascism, which I think could be worse. <laughs> I think at least there's a semblance of, you know, caring about people with the communists. They, they call it socialism, which is just a, a nice way of saying, I'm just having difficulty here doing a little job on the side, but um, it's just a nice way of, you know, social. People th- people honestly thought, people went and went to the polls. Some people shouldn't be allowed to vote because if you go to the poll thinking that socialism is all about being social... <laughs> <laughs> which one lady told me, uh, why did you vote? Well, it's social, isn't it? You know, they care about society. And <laughs> uh, No, I think you should do a bit of study. But, of course, you were not going to find that at school because the, the socialists, they're actually the communists, because that's the real name of um, the socialists. They really are communists. They just pretend. They get into power calling themselves socialists, but in actual fact, they're communists. And, they've, and they're stupid as well because they've never done any study to find out just how bad and how many people. I mean, communism, communism and fascism, they've killed more people than any religion. And people go on about all the wars in the country. They're all co- all the wars all over the world. They're all caused by by religion. Religion's caused all the wars, but not really. No, no, no. In actual politics has an actual fact. Ideologies have like like socialism, which is really communism, and. Um, what else is there? You know, fascism and all the isms. And it's really all about basically getting rid of the individual rights of the person and taking them, taking their private property off them. And then you find that these communists, they're actually very well, they're the ones at the top, they're the big billionaires. And we're finding that the globalists, they don't care really. They just use all of them. They, they don't mind whether it's um, communism. They've got deluded fools that have, you know, become communists and fascists. People that are fascists, they don't even write like... They don't even realise. Like Luxon and Seymour, they don't realise that their ideologies are actually fascist. They don't realise. Because they're, they're collectivists. They believe that the, the right of the group is more important than your individual rights. You don't have any individual rights. They, we, we, even though we've got the Bill of Rights, which is supposed to protect us under the law, they ride roughshod over it. The judges do too. They just do what they're told. Don't they? And it's nepotism because they all went to school together. 
And, you know, they're all probably all homos and, you know, pedophiles or whatever, and they sort of don't want to dob each other in. But a lot of pedophiles, apparently, according to Greg Hallett with his book, New Zealand the Blackmailer's Guide, he said that, you know, that's just full of it. We even have the Governor General that like little boys. And then who else have we got? Oh, we had all sorts of funny people there, dominatrix. <laughs> well, one of them's a dominatrix. You've got to get hold of that book. You've got to write to Countessman Media and say, hey, uh, Kelvy, so look, if I send you five grand, would you send me that book? Because the, the book's got to be worth 10 grand. I mean, I've actually seen it for sale uh, for an incredible amount of money. I mean, you can, you can just, if you, you have to do some proper research and find it for a reasonable price. Because, I mean, what's it worth? 30 bucks is probably a good price. It's quite a good sized book. Um, New Zealand, The Blackmailer's Guide by Greg Hallett. Kelvin reckons he's gone a bit dotty uh, lately. Now he thinks he's the king of England. But, you know, if you take that, eat the meat, spit out the bones. <laughs> if you do, he doesn't talk about that, but he tends to now. But what if he's right? What if he really is the real king? King of moment? Gosh, he can string a story, I tell you. And he hasn't been, I don't think he's been taken to court, although I have seen him outside in some videos taken. This is Greg Hallett outside court in Auckland. But now, as far as I know, the last time I heard him, he was on a podcast there, and um, he was uh, somewhere in Europe, and he said he had 12 assassination attempts. And I've been trying to track him down, but it's pretty hard. Gosh, if the New Zealand authorities can't track him down, then I don't know how I'm going to. Although I don't think they're after him because, oh gosh, no, they wouldn't want him to open up. <laughs> they wouldn't want to hear the transcript of the court case with some of the things that he knows. And so he's got quite a lot to do with people that are involved in intelligence here in New Zealand, people that, and they do quite often speak out. I mean, I remember once when I was a real estate agent up in Tidurangi there, I had a guy who was actually the brother of Bert Potter, you know, that um, funny, perverted guy. Didn't really like his brother that much, the, the friend, not, not a friend, his customer, actually, client that I met. Um, and he was, um, no, was he, he was in the fire service, but the, his flatmate was actually in the CISIS, <laughs> the Secret Intelligence Service. And we sat down and had a, he seemed kind of damaged, you know, after going through that. They seemed damaged. They did. They, um, the things they have to do, I suppose, and, you know, the rubbish they believe. And, and actually, he, was, he really opened up to me. And actually, there was a couple of people. And one person, he said, you see that fellow there? Um, he is actually, he's in the same service as me. Because he, he, this fellow that I spoke to, my, my customer, he retired. But he said, see that fellow there? And this particular fellow happened to be my wife's. Director of news at Television New Zealand, and he was a CIA agent. And then she said, and uh, Danny would say to me, "Oh, he, um, he often just disappears, and we just sort of think, where's he gone? You know, and he's he's gone. He's the director of news. This guy, <laughs> funny that, isn't it? And then he'd just go, and then they'd say, where the heck is he? I don't know. Is he gone? I don't know. And then all of a sudden, you know, three months later, he'd just sort of turn up again, <laughs> just like. Like that, and go straight back into the job as if nothing had happened, and you know, no, no talk. Oh, I've made a mess of that. I was just busy, little rolling something here, but it's not working out. Um, so we'll go back there. We'll find another one there. Yeah, so like twenty-two minutes passed, and um, so yes, he'd just sort of disappear, and then no one would know where he's gone, and then he'd turn up again, and then he'd be away laughing. And I can't remember his name, and, and I actually met him because he was one of my customers, and I, I didn't actually sell him a house. Actually, Alison Story, another top agent up in the area. She was working for Olsen Everson at the time. She was the opposition. My boss, Jill, she was highly pissed off with me because I, I didn't sell them because I was used to, I'm pretty, I was pretty good. I was good at selling people things. And um, she got a bit annoyed. But it's the only time she ever got annoyed with me that I could have showed. That was We had that listing as well. It was a general listing, the jolly thing. And I just, for some reason, mine wasn't on the job and I should have showed that to them. We're talking like half a day. I mean, this is how close, this is how close it was. 
half a day ahead. They had an appointment a few hours later with Alison, and of course Alison slammed her in, them into it. <laughs> well, not slammed, but you know, she was pretty good. But she was very persuasive. You know, a bit like me, I was quite persuasive in those days. I mean, gosh, look at me. I ended up with a beautiful wife. <laughs> I must have been persuasive, ugly old coot like me. Well, I wasn't old then. I was quite good looking. Yes, it's funny how you get uh, as you get older, you get you get uglier, don't you? I mean, you know. Just you just grow ugly. I mean, I look at myself in the mirror. I, I I try not to, but when I do, gosh, I think, who's that hideous old man there? And look down at my own hands, and I'm thinking, who's are those stuck on the end of these old hands with veins popping out and sort of just ancient looking hands? You sort of think, gosh, and then then you sort of look you looking at the screen like I'm looking here. I'm trying to read things, and I can't even make out. I'm you know, but I refuse to go and get some new glasses because that just makes it worse. My friend Tony said he just stopped buying glasses and stopped getting stronger and stronger prescriptions. Uh, otherwise, what happens? Well, you just your eyes just get worse and worse, don't they? So you've got to sort of train, exercise your eyes. So he just stopped about six years ago. Just stopped wearing glasses, and he's my age. I think I'm. A, I think he's about six months younger than me. But um, he he just basically stopped buying new glasses. He said one for you know he's over in Melbourne now. I think doing quite well on computers and what have you. But um, he said you just basically stop. Buying them, he said. I got sick of the price, you know. Going to like, I sort of suppose that Melbourne's equivalent to spec savers. So, you know. So I'm glad, but I'm glad we're not on TV here because you can see what I was rolling. Mm, yes, yes. I got to ban it soon. You're not even allowed to have a smoke. Gosh, that's why I'm not really performing very well this morning. I, mean, I should be going over the newspaper, but I'm, I'm a bit. There's nothing really to do it. I mean, look at Radio New Zealand. Well, they've got some Maori guy telling us that there's going to be the rise. He's, he's inciting Maori to, to go back to their pagan ways, isn't he? Really, his name is Witi Ihimaira, and uh, so he says it's going to be the massive rise of the Maori culture. And as I said, it's just what's Maori culture? Well, it's just paganism. <laughs> it's just religion. That's what, it's just code for religion. So that's him. And then we've got oh, the, Radio New Zealand. They've got a new thing that's just started. Oh, we'll have we'll have RNZ news in the moment just to prove to you there is no news. It's just all nonsense. I don't know why we bother reading it. I suppose we have to look at something. I suppose. Uh, but um, isn't it good with TNT though? You get some you get some people talking about some real things like vaccine injuries and stuff like that. Talking about real stuff, things that's really happening. It's very interesting. Earlier on, about oh four, just after four o'clock, we might have been or half past four. Um, one of the announcers was just talking about how you can give people information. Give them the data. You can show. They can show it to you. They still reject it. They, say they don't want to know. People just don't want to know. So you just have to be like um, Samuel Hahnemann. What did he do? Well, he just sort of looked at everybody with calm indifference. He just said, you know, they're just fools. You know, most people are just fools. We don't want. We don't want to know anything new. We just want to live in our fools' paradise. And here we are down in New Zealand, living in a wonderful fools' paradise. Very pretty down here, isn't it? Oh, the old Hooney is playing up this morning. Oh gosh, I hope we don't have a sort of an episode on. Oh, no, we're right. <laughs> this is the trouble. As you grow older, you have all these things happen to you. Now, how did that happen? You know, I, I can go out and lift heavy heavy things, and it's all good. I actually normally just, whatever I'm lifting, I just push it against it to hold it in place. But I was obviously sitting up, sitting a bit strange this morning, a bit of change of my position. There we are, sort of open, open your legs a bit. <laughs> anyway, so they've got a good news story. It's all the good news things that's happened. At RNZ, you can go there and have a look at that. Um, Radio New Zealand. Oh, have I changed things over? We're over at Rumble. I don't think there's anyone there anyway. Um, I can't even see. I don't think we've even got a microphone going any levels. Oh, yes, we have. It's a bit low, though, isn't it? 
I'll turn up the um, the gain a bit. Is that better? No, oh, yeah. Let me know in the chat. Um, now, some people are saying that uh, they go on Facebook and things, it's, it's a bit intermittent. You don't look at us on Facebook. It's a waste of time. Uh, because if I want to play a bit of music, well, they've got to go and shut it off, don't they? And then I forget, don't I forget? Because I'm getting old and dodgy and I forget to go back and switch it back on again, don't I? Yeah. So it's no good that. So um, I don't think there's any of you there anyway. I'll go have a quick look and see. And no, no, how do you do that? Get over there. Look, I haven't switched on Facebook. No, no, it's offline. We're offline. Forget about that. Just go to Rumble. Rumble's our friends. Facebook is just too difficult to deal with these people, these funny people. Um, now, what have we got? Oh, there we are. Yes, there we're there. Oh, yes, there's, there's four of you. Hello. <laughs> Hello. You can go in the chat and I'll keep it open. I'll, what I'll do is I can, I think I can do something with it. I can dock chat. Yeah, so I'll dock the chat. Oh, no, shoot, no, what have I done now? How, how do I get that back? Oh, gosh. All right, anyway, anyway. Anyway, nice to nice to see you there, little foot four of you. Where are you from? Go in the chat and tell me where you're from. And um, we heard, we've had quite a few. I've been looking at the stats, and uh, there are an awful lot of people uh, listening from overseas, actually. Gosh, a lot in America. Don't know why they bother. I suppose it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, no, it wouldn't be 2 o'clock. It would be sort of lunchtime, I suppose, over there, wouldn't it be? sort of lunchtime in the United States and Canada, somewhere around there, sort of in that general vicinity, daylight, you know, sun shining, that sort of stuff, you know, that part of the globe, as you like to call it, as uh, on that part of the earth, I like to call it. So there we are. What's the difference between the earth and the world, you know, like the world? I mean, I wonder how many worlds there are as well. I mean, if the Bible says the world, that God created the worlds. Gosh, that means we, and we've only got this one here, haven't we? The world, that's the Greek word for that's cosmos, isn't it? But that's just world, the world's. So when you read the Bible, it doesn't really look like it's a spinning ball, does it? No. If you if you take it literally, you know, it says the face of the earth. Well, gosh, well, that face of the earth it doesn't, the balls don't have a face, do they? It's just a, just a spherical thing. There's, the Bible says that the earth is a, is a circle, you know, but a circle's not a sphere, is it? I mean, but, I mean, God knows the difference between a, you know, a sort of like a coin circle, you know, like a, like a seal, uh, sort of a circle that, you know, you'd push onto a bit of clay you know, and imprint the seal on clay or wax we use today. You know, God sort of knows the difference between a ball and a circle. I think. So and further down, I think in one of the verses, I think it's in Isaiah, somewhere in Isaiah, I can't remember where, uh, he talks about uh, the circle of the earth. And everyone goes, oh, see, see, it's a, it's a ball. I told you it was round. And you look up at the sky and, you know, you see the moon. You know, and the moon is is uh, a circle for sure. We don't know that it's spherical, though. I mean, not all of it. We haven't been around there and have a look, have we? Around the dark side of the moon. No, I haven't been down there. I haven't been around there yet. But apparently people have been to the moon. Apparently in 1969 we landed on the moon. Uh, yeah, but, um, hmm, I... I don't know. I don't know if I believe it. I saw that funny thing happen. You know, a funny thing happened to me. <laughs> I saw a funny thing happened on the way to the moon. Um, actually, we've got a moon song, have we? I think we have. Let's have a look. Go and find one for me, Digger. Yeah, all right. I'll, I'll, just, I'll be in in a minute. I'll just have a brush my teeth and uh, have a quick cup of coffee and a uh, cup of tea. I'll have a cup of tea, actually, and then I'll be in. All right, mate. That's good. We'll see you when you're ready. Okay, don't, no rush. It's half past. Now, we'll go to Radio New Zealand. They can give us the, the update of the latest um, fake stream media and just see what's happening there. And then we'll find that while, while Radio New Zealand's on, I'll find that um, I'll find that um, that moon song, shall I? Yeah, you do that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, could you uh, just, could you just, uh, I'll just, oh, look, I'm just going to go out and see a man about a racehorse and they'll be straight in. You're all right. We don't need to know. We know what that means. It's code for he's going outside 
water the grass or something. I think he is. Anyway, so uh, we will find that Radio New Zealand. Now, we are a Radio New Zealand there. I'll just quickly just give you a, a quick update. So we've got the Maori culture thing. That sort of took me off guard. We've got the good news stories there. It's going to cheer you up, all the good stuff, like that dog, you know, who's healing well. And what else have we got? Someone. I'll have a quick look just to give you an idea of what that's about. If you want to be cheered up today, we've got that mad fellow. He's a flipping mad. He's the actor. Oh, what's his name now? Bruce Hopkins. He's 68, and so he was doing 68 backflips down there in Auckland somewhere at some new diving board. Uh, there we are. Apparently you reach speeds of, you know, like 40, 40 kilometres an hour, you know, when you dive off a six-metre board there. You really... You know, flying. And then we've got the little border collie there, a big fat fellow, looks like he needs to stop eating um, carbohydrates. He's got a real dis- problem there with a distended tummy sitting there. It's just, oh gosh, he's not going to live long. This, this is all there is to it. If you allow yourself to get like that, a shape like that, uh, which is where I was heading, I was heading towards obesity. In fact, one, one of the doctors said, You are bordering on obese, but not now. I'm 67 k, 68 kgs. And uh, fit, got a six pack back, a few skin rimp- wrinkles, of course. Because <laughs> I'm not going, I'm not going to spend the money and have a, a nip and tuck or whatever they call it there. No, don't worry about that. That's all right. You know, you are 63, for goodness sake. So this is Paul Gibbons. He's um, him and Molly. Molly got attacked by a couple of dogs, came onto the property and ripped open. But she's healing well. Good story there. Oh, and another good story is in South Island. There, the pubs. They've been saved by a bunch of friends, a bunch of farmers. Uh, this was the Why um, Why Why Kaka. Yeah, Waikaka Royal Hotel. It first opened in 1872, and um, then it looked at risk of closing. And but a group of six local farmers and contractors they banded together to keep their watering hole open. The local community pub, otherwise known as the pub, um, it was around. For, had now it's now got 200 owners now. Uh, they've gone and opened it up. Got she can take a share of the pub. What a good idea! And apparently it's doing a rip roaring trade as well. And also we've got that fellow with the dogs, the Lansar dog handler, Barry Doherty. Um, he's got search and rescue dogs down at Dunedin there. Uh, he's got a couple of dogs there, Jeffrey and Red. Uh, they're the only three South Island Lansar search dogs, and they've often been called out. They, they scour the, the island's varied terrain for missing people. That's their job. And then we've got um, a lovely girl, Bonnie Wang. She, this is a nice story, that uh, she is the first ever piano, uh, this week's rather, first ever piano. That was When was that? That was way back. I don't know what time it was, but a couple of weeks ago. Is this for the week? I'm not sure. Is it for the week? Let's have a look. Or is it the month? I better look, look at it. This is a good stories. The stories that cheered us up this week. Oh, it's just this week. I didn't actually see that one there with, um, with her, with the pianist. Uh, there she is. Uh, she's this week's first ever piano festival in Hamilton attracted international stars to the city and it was held at the University of Waikato Gallagher Academy of Performing Arts where 40 piano students from China and New Zealand, from China and New Zealand. This is, uh, that, I was just imitating Donald Trump too, by the way. I wasn't being racist. We'll go to the news in a minute with RNZ so you get some real proper news, find out what's going on. 25 minutes, coming up to 25, 26 minutes, 26 minutes away from six. And of course, we have our good friends over there and wherever they are, the United States of America. America uh, is uh, TNT Radio News. And what does that stand for? Is it uh, explosives? TNT. <laughs> Remember that? The old TNT. No, it's for news, today's news talk. Radio, and you can find them at today's news talk radio, TNT radio dot live. That's where you find them. Make sure you put dot live in there. 
course, we've got one over here too. We've got our own talk back. I don't know if they're talking back yet. No one's allowed to talk back. Uh, but they do have people that come on and they sp- spread their, you know, spread the gossip, no, talk about things that, you know, that the mainstream media aren't talking about, and that's Reality Check Radio with Paul Brennan and uh, Peter Williams, and um, who also we got a uh, former politician, what's his name, Rodney Hyde, he's there, and and Bo, and uh, Jaspreet Boparai, she's a councillor, I believe, I think she's got into local council, she's a farmer, she's from India originally, comes from a military background, she's living down in Southland, and uh, in uh, oh, Matara or somewhere there, oh, one of those names, you know, down, getting right down the bottom where you've got to chase the penguins out of the barn in the wintertime and the, and the ice, you know, the, the, the water troughs freeze over, you know, for about four days in the middle of winter, usually about August actually, and they freeze over. And I remember when we were down there, we had a little farm, and the kids, they'd be sitting, they'd be walking, get, walking around on top of the troughs, but they're only little, because Seb would be five, I suppose. How Seb was, he's 24 now. Gosh, 24, had his birthday yesterday. 24 years old. There we are. Uh, anyway, so that's her, and that's pretty much it. Those were, the, those were the happy stories. I like the pub story best of all. And then you've got stormy weather, of course, that happened last night, didn't we? Um, yes, we did. The heavy rain, uh, that uh, it was huge downpours, wasn't it? And much of the North Island was just covered in rain. I remember I was driving, you know, back to my we place then, and it was absolutely p- 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 pouring down. And uh, we had the Simple Minds concert in Hamilton too, that concert goers they had to evacuate that because of the rain so that's no good and then you've got some whales that have been stranded in Canterbury in an estuary there it's called Project Jonah and they're pleading with these are the people rather if this is not the actual whale they don't call that project now Project Jonah they're the ones that rush around the place and try and save the whales forget about the children dying of starvation and war torn and all that sort of don't worry about kids dying and you know women you know murdering their children when they're still in the womb don't worry about that you know take, getting the doctor to take a hit out on your own babies you know inside you well, you know, eighteen thousand. I think eighteen thousand kids, you know, unborn babies every year, they die in the safest place. Do you think it would be the safest place in the world for a baby to be inside its own mother's womb? But no, no, it's a very dangerous place to be. They can just decide they go, oh, "We got to get rid of you. Oh, my career's more important than you, so we'll murder you." And um, this is what that's what it is, isn't it? Where, I mean, when is it all right to take um, take the life of a baby? When, when is it all right to kill a baby in the womb? Because they like to say, "Oh, it's not a baby. It's not a real baby." No, what is it? It's a, um, it's just cells. It's just blood. It's just cells. It's nothing. It's like an egg. You know, it's just not, you know, nothing. We eat eggs, don't we? Yes, but mm, no, it's not really. Not, not if you read the Bible. No, it's a real living. The You know, it's got a heartbeat. <laughs> it gets a heartbeat after not very long. They don't want to know. They don't want to know the truth. It's a bit like they don't want to know about the COVID jab. I've got friends around me that it, they unfortunately had to be jabbed, uh, many of them. Some of them were stupid enough to go and do it. But anyway... They're just getting sicker and sicker. A dear friend of mine uh, from radio, he is. Um, oh, he had a terrible time. He said he had COVID, tested positive for COVID. Basically, he's just it's a vaccine injury. He's um, been injured by the vaccines, and uh, so they just they their immune system just goes down the toilet, doesn't it? And they just get sicker and sicker. So we've got all these people, and if they they'd never do the survey, but if they did a survey, they're all jabbed, <laughs> the whole lot of them. So this thing's doing a good job. They don't want to kill you outright. They just want you to be a functioning invalids for the rest of your life because there's no money in it if they kill you. They've just got to keep you sick enough that you want to keep coming back to the doctor all the time. That's what that's about, folks. That's what it's about. Okay, um, we'll just talk about these large whales. Now, Project Jonah, they are pleading. 
pleading with the Canterbury residents not to disturb the large whales that have been uh, a pod, or uh, oh, one whale, just the one. One whale that's been stranded. And you read it first before you talk would be good, Grant. Why don't you do that? Uh, well, I don't have time, you know, because there's other things I've got to do. You know, I've got to check on things. You know, things. Anyway, so there's one whale that's been stranded near the entrance uh, to a shallow est- to the shallow estuary at Monk's Bay. Well, don't tell everybody. Don't tell everyone where it is. They'll all go there. You might get some marriage down there with the, with the blades, you know, and get, take, cut off a bit of flesh. Do they do that? They would have done. They would have been with, oh, we've got, we've got a stranded whale, kapai, you've got some, got some kai here, bring your, bring your tomahawk. Because they didn't have meris, you know, those little round things those with the, they didn't have those. That was, you know, sort of ancient, sort of, you know, Stone Age stuff. Oh, no, the whalers here, because they did, they came on whaling ships. They had tomahawks. They got those from, you know, more civilised people. But they sort of went downhill a bit, didn't they? But, I mean, they used to kill people on the ships, you know, if they had bad weather. They would kill one of the one of the crew or someone or they'd bring slaves along, you know, pick up slaves from, you know, wherever they were sailing to. And they would kill them, you know, for the weather gods. You know, a sacrifice, human sacrifice. There's plenty of evidence of that. If you read that book, um, what's it called? Uh, I can't remember the name of the fellow, but it's called something like uh, Pre-Tasman Explorers. You can look that one up. He's an interesting fellow. He must be getting on a bit now, though, uh, whoever it is. I can't remember his name. But um, he was interesting. I, yeah, I went to a, a meeting once with him uh, up in Simon Street there in Auckland. Um, he was talking. He's quite quite interesting. He's a non, non, didn't have any faith, though, just an atheist. I don't know. I don't know. How did you get here? So you people say, oh, I'm, an, oh, I'm an atheist, are you really? So there's no God, because that's what atheism means. And uh, they go, oh, well, there could be. And I say, well, that's not an, you're not an atheist then if you think there's a chance that there could be. What are you? I'll tell you what you are. You're an agnostic. So most, the, first, the first minute you normally I convince atheists that they're not atheists, they're agnostic. <laughs> they just don't know. Uh, some people, though, even if even they had, had all the evidence, I know this, my, my doctor, was a, my friend who's a neighbour who's a doctor, um, he... He just, even if he was, and he got to the stage, he told me, he said, even if you gave me all the evidence, and it was undeniable evidence, which I was able to provide for him, that God exists, that the Bible is what it claims to be, that it possesses the necessary elements of a divine revelation from our Creator, I would still not accept it, (laughs) uh, because I just don't want to believe in the God of the Bible. I don't want to. And so he's just so rebellious, isn't he? The children of disobedience, the Bible calls people like that. Children of disobedience, and so he just doesn't want to. So he's willingly ignorant, and uh, so he will go straight to hell, won't he? Like a greased bullet. That's where we go when we reject the one that created us. Because how on earth did you get here? Do you think you just came from nothing? Do you think all of this around us came from nothing? Because that's our choice. Never mind the amoeba. <laughs> Never mind that. Where did that come from? And when you sit down, it just you can just like oh, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. Talking to these um, atheists that believe in evolution, evolution. You say, well, where did life begin? And they say, oh, we evolved from, you know, something evolution millions of years ago. I say, well, that's the that tells us the how we evolved, which is a bad theory anyway, which I don't believe for a minute. There's no evidential foundation for it. But um, no, no, I want to know when life began. You know, how did you? How did we get here? And they don't have an answer. In fact, even some of the top people that actually do still continue to call themselves atheists, people like Richard Dawkins, he's really agnostic because he said, well, there is, it's possible that there could be some other beings that, you know, came and created this and 
where did they come from? Well, sort of. Well, you know, the, the cutting edge in science today is not that we evolved from nothing. I mean, they don't want to believe that. That's rubbish. And millions of years doesn't help you along because if for millions of years there was nothing and then all of a sudden there was something, <laughs> you've still got the problem that Huxley had, which is non-living matter cannot reproduce living matter. Can it? No. I gotta like this thing. Um, I need another coffee, and um, you need a rest uh, from me. So we've got the stranded monks. Uh, so, sorry, stra- we've got some stranded monks at Whale Bay. There we are. Oh no, it's not stranded monks at Whale Bay. It's stranded whales at Monk Bay. Oh, there's two. Yes. Okay. And so what else have we got? Two dead. Uh, oh dear, and this is terrible. This is in Canterbury. Two people have dead. Uh, two injuries uh, after three vehicle crash in Canterbury. I'll just tell you about that. I think that happened late. Yesterday, this one came out late last night. The police say that two people have died in a crash involving three vehicles on State Highway 1 in Canterbury. Now, that crash on State Highway 1, that's where, you know, if you're down there, that's Ashworth Road and Leithfield. And it was reported to the police about, or oh, just 10 past 7 last night. And uh, police said two other people were taken to hospital after the crash. Now, there are cordon. the cordon has been put in place in that area, and it's still in place. Because just after 5.15, the New Zealand Transport Agency, they said that State Highway 1 between the intersection of Mill Road and Kings Road was closed until further notice as a result of the crash. And detours are in place even now as the investigation team are looking at the cause of that crash. So there's cordons in place that's going to stay in place for a little bit longer. So maybe a little bit later on in the morning I can tell you if that's going to be lifted or not or if, whether it has been. Uh, maybe it has, but I don't think so. I think they, it must have been quite serious. I mean, three people... Uh, two dead uh, and uh, two injured. That's uh, pretty serious down there in the South Island. And Auckland Backyard Shantytown, that's been ruled compliant now by the council. That's interesting, isn't it? Oh, it's coming up to um, 16 minutes to away from 6 o'clock. Yes, yeah, 16 to 6. Now, in Auckland Backyard Shantytown, ruled compliant by the council. I'm looking at the photos. They look pretty – I mean, we've got some shacks here, but not as bad as that. Uh, the owner of the West Auckland property – with a makeshift shed built from plywood, picked up from a construction site, uh, to house illegal immigrants, may be allowed to keep the structures after all. They were built without consent, and Auckland Council issued a notice notice of fix, not a notice to pull them down, a notice to fix last October. After the visit to the backyard shantytown at the New Windsor property in uh, when was that? Oh, that was in October, following a Herald report. Now, the Herald investigation revealed that up to six Indonesian overstays, illegal immigrants, illegal aliens. I'm an illegal alien. Now, who's that? Sting. <laughs> Should we find that one? Yeah, let's do that, Grant. Yeah, well, where's he going now? I don't know. Anyway, so the New Zealand Herald investigator, they revealed uh, in, in, in Indonesian overstays. They're cooped up in a chicken coop. Oh, they're not. No, read it properly. They are living in a chicken coop and <laughs> a dilapidated caravan. And a shed, yeah, a chicken coop. There we are. Gosh, I wouldn't put them, I wouldn't put any human being in a chicken coop. I don't know how people can do this. But they're doing it. But I suppose it's better than where they came from, isn't it? They've got jobs. And who's paying them to live there? Or are they on the dole? We'll be, we'll be paying for them probably. But they, the council's made them take everything out of it. You wouldn't believe it. They're still there. And the silly council, they've made it even worse for these poor people. These poor people that are being exploited by the landlord that's just charging sort of between 140 and 160 dollars a week each for them to so will be cooped up. Six of them, six Indonesian overstayers, they came here. I don't know how they got here in the first place. How did they get here? You know, like why, we're surrounded with water. How do we let them? Why do we let them in? If we can, t- I mean, not very well vetted, are they? And now they're living here illegally. And, the, and they've taken the stove out. That's illegal. So they've got no water now inside there. They've got to go outside. So it's even worse now for them because of the stupid council. 
really, they should just, you know, take them, put them in a nice motel and um, at our expense and then put them on the next flight up back to where they came from. That's what they need to do with them. Put them back there. If they come in illegally, they need to go right back where they came. So there's a story. If you can be bothered, you can read that one. 14 minutes away from 6 o'clock, and we've got the wonderful TNT Radio News. I can hear them there. Just make sure they're going. The... Yes, they are. They're going in the background. We've got our wonderful South African fellow there, Germ. He's from Germ Warfare. Have you caught his podcasts? If you go to Podbean or one of the others, Spotify or... I don't know if he's on iHeart. We're on. What are we on? We're on. We're not on iHeart. They won't let me. They're, they're nasty people. They, they booted me off right at the very beginning. Uh, but I'm on, we're on iTunes. If you like, tune in there. I've got a podcast there. So you can hear this breakfast program if you miss it, if you can't get up and can't drag yourself out of bed in the morning. You can hear it on Podbean. And uh, or and Rumble too. We just started on Rumble. We're getting a few people there. Got I think we've got about eighty nine or something. <laughs> they come and they go. They come and then I say something that pisses someone off, and then they they leave me. There you go. But, you know, this is the way it is, isn't it? I mean, someone said, you know, you're making money of this. I said, no, no, I don't. No, no. I I, once I got five cups of coffee, fellow friend, of a uh, lovely chap down near Wellington. He's a contractor, hard-working guy, part Murray, and um, doesn't agree with me on everything I say, but he said it. it he, apparently I cheer him up in the morning. I don't know if I still am. I haven't heard from him for a while. But he bought me five cups of coffee. Well, that's equivalent to five, uh, $25, isn't it? So so he's a founding member of the of the program. But no, you don't get paid because why? Well, you're pissing everybody off, don't you? are telling the truth. They don't want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Yeah, that's right. That's what I say. You can't handle the truth. Now, look, I'm uh, busting for a nice cup of coffee. I'm busting for... No, no, I'm not. I don't have to see a man about a racehorse. I'm fine. Um, now, in Auckland, Auckland Bank, yeah, the shanty town. that's all over and done with. We've spoken about that. I mean, I was going to do the 4 o'clock bulletin, but we'll wait until after f- 6 o'clock. Why the 4 o'clock bulletin? Gosh, that's a bit late. No, surely they've updated that. Oh, no, I have. I'll refresh it. Uh, yeah, the five o'clock bulletin. There we are. I don't know why. Um, oh, it's, everything's changed now. Oh, here we go. Now, you can leave everyone better off. Act leader pushes to a simpler tax system. David Seymour is on a mission to convince his coalition partners to make a flatter, simpler tax system the centrepiece of this year's budget. That has just come out within the last uh, few moments, actually. And then you've got a budget deficit lower than the forecast, according to Treasury figures. Willis. She vows to press on with her tax cuts as the government uh, books worsen, apparently. And you've got some neighbours there anxious for answers uh, as the Kandala homicide investigation continues. I didn't even know there was a, a Kandala a homicide. Yes, well, apparently neighbours have described a 79-year-old woman who was found dead at her Wellington home as, um, as a keen gardener and a quiet lady who kept to herself. They found her. We'll look at that straw in a wee bit more detail after the news at six. Uh, And a spotlight on improving academic achievement as kids head back to school. Parents and teachers are gearing up for the new school year with a a big new curriculum. It's going to teach your kids all about how to put condoms on um, carrots and uh, all the filthy stuff there that they've got. Hopefully this government will turn all that rubbish, all that perverted communist nonsense, which is all designed to actually destroy the relationship between the parent and the child and uh, so that the child looks to the state. That's what they do. That's what that is. To drive a wedge between the fam, you know, between the, the child, which they want to control and own and brainwash, so that they become, you know. I mean, if you listen to all the kids, they all speak perfect Maori. They all pronounce all the words properly, don't they? They don't say taupo like we all do, you know. So tupu. And then, you know, I'll be saying, I think someone corrected me the other day. What did you say? I said, capity. She's capity. 
It's company. You know, I said, oh, piss off. <laughs> it's capity. Capity. And, you know, I Chonga. And now a naughty. You know, don't give me this topo and rutrua stuff. I mean, look, that's all right. If you're married, you can speak like that. If you want to, if, look, if I really wanted to do it properly, I could. I mean, I could convince you. I got the top mark for Radio New Zealand in Maori pronunciation when I was there, so I know how to do it. I'm just, I refuse to do it because I'm, I'm bloody English. That's what I am. I'm English and I don't pronounce my vowels like that, do I? Oh, it's an oh, not an or. I don't go, I don't do, I don't go or. I go, oh. Oh, I say, I jolly God, jolly good old chap. Now, nine minutes away from six, nine to six, and we're having an interesting morning. Now, sinner, of course, we've all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and we've got sinner here. He's beaten, he's beaten somebody with a name that I can barely pronounce it, Med, Medvedev, Medvedev. It's interesting, isn't it? Medvedev. So a sinner has beaten Medvedev. That's right. Well, it's good, isn't it? The sinner's, yeah. You need to repent. Fancy being given a name like that. What were your parents thinking, calling you Sinner? Is that his first name? Let's have a look and see. On oh, no. yeah, Yannick Sinner, he couldn't help it. He's born into the family, a family of sinners. Well, it's at least truthful, isn't it? Being honest about it. So his name is Yannick Sinner, and he came from came from two sets down to beat uh, Darnell Medvedev. Where would he be from? I don't know. And the big grand, that's the first Grand Slam title that ushered in the, the new era at the Auckland Open, is it? Oh, Australian Open. Australian Open. There we are. Oh, gosh. Oh, Tina, who's got time for sport? I mean, for goodness sake, you know, we've got work to do. We haven't got time to muck around looking at people chasing leather balls around, you know, pulling each other's, each other's pants off on the ruck and that sort of stuff. And they haven't got time for it. No, we haven't got time to watch it even. You know, gosh, I don't know why we waste our time, isn't it? It's just. It's just like going on a picnic when there's a war on. You know, you haven't got time to do that. Gosh, now we've got a war on. There's a war on, I tell you. We've got a war, the war of truth. People don't want that. You can't handle the truth. I know, you said that before. They don't want the truth. No, they don't want it. They just want to live in a fool's paradise down here in New Zealand. Okay, let's just finish off a wee bit of news here, and then it's, um, what are we up to now? Multiplication. Eight minutes, too, because I can't read. That my clock's gone on the blink. Gosh, there's something wrong with the program too. I was wanting to put the news on at half past four this morning, and I thought, oh no, so I had to quickly shuffle around and find a few songs to put on. Um, we've got a senior mongrel mob member. He's been jailed for um, manufacturing a supply of methamphetamine. What are you thinking? Oh, well, well, there's money involved, Grant. Oh, Digger, <laughs> how are you? Oh, I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Oh, well, I'm all right. You know, could be better. Could be better. It's not a very interesting program this morning. It's, it's just me yapping this morning. Yeah, I know. I noticed that you're not playing any of those little jingly things and things to make the show sound interesting. No, well, uh, I don't know. Just can't be bothered. Anyway, we've got the senior. I'll tell you about the senior mongrel mob. All right, you do that. Uh, he is. Um, he's a member, and he was the leading meth manufacturer and supply supply ring. That's what he was running. But he's been busted. He's been trying to bring the the 1.1 kilograms of Class A drug into New Zealand. Inside a set of golf clubs, <laughs> he's got time to play golf. Well, he must be making plenty of money. There we are, golf. What a waste of a good walk. You ruin a good walk going for. I'd, I would anyway if I was going to play golf. Anyway, the meth had been shown, uh, and and well, they, they showed it to them. All right, no, they shoved it. It's, the word shoved, Grant, not shown. I don't know how you got shown out of shoved. I don't know either. Anyway, so it's been, it's been shoved into the shafts. Oh, actually, in the shafts. Oh, wow. No, you can't get past those. Don't you watch TV? You know, you say Border Patrol. 
No, you won't get through. Now, where did he go from? The clubs, they were sent from the United Kingdom, but the package only made it as far as Germany before it was intercepted. Oh, there you go. His name is Julia Maxwell Edwards. Oh, he's one of my relations. Yeah, good boy. Yeah, send some meth over. No, don't you, dear. Meth. Gosh. Yeah, you. Anyway, we're going to lock you up. You might, you're no relation to me. Fancy what? You obviously, back in the day, you married, married in Edwards from good old British stock from probably Yorkshire. Eh, up, who's round, is it? Tis thine. Came from Yorkshire. Got on the, uh, got on the old Larkin in 1849 and we sailed over to Wellington. And we are, we arrived here and that's, is that the right accent? Probably not. Eh, up, who's round, is it? This fellow in Yorkshire, he went into a baker's shop. He said, I'll have a loaf of bread, thanks. And the baker said, will that be brown or white? He said, no matter, I got the bike out front. That's, is that funny, is it? Well, yeah, that's funny. It doesn't matter. Because it doesn't mean, it's not meant to make sense. That's Yorkshire humour. That's, that's the way they are. Sort of, that's why it's funny. <laughs> just because I don't have canned laughter. But it is, it's hilarious, isn't it? It doesn't matter, I've got the bike out front. I just think that's fu- uh, hilarious. That's Yorkshire humour. That's where I get it from. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> from great-great-granddad. Ah, oh, Yeah. Anyway, they'd all be rolling in their graves if they saw me now. Um, okay, we've got two people sentenced for trying to smuggle five kilograms of cocaine through the Auckland airport. Some people say you're better off with cocaine. Way better off having cocaine than methamphetamine in the country. Um, but apparently, the, according to Greg Hallett, who wrote the book, um, New Zealand, the Hitch... No, I was going to say Hitchhiker's Guide again. New Zealand, the uh, Blackmailer's Guide... Um, police bought methamphetamine. They they actually started methamphetamine. They've got to give themselves something to do today, something to investigate. And then they buy all the homes that have been ruined by it, you see. Buy them and fix them up. Apparently that's what some cops were doing in Wangarei. Wangarei. What? Wanga aspirated, not just Wanga. It's not W-O-N-G-A. It's a W-H. Hwa. We say what like where. Where, not where. 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 It's got a hwa, 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 hwa. Wangarei. Maris can't say that normally, they, so there's a fair, fair. We get them out of My friend Billy came over. Well, he's not my friend. He's my friend's friend. Uh, uh, actually, relation. He's my friend's nephew. When he was 10, he came to New Zealand. He loved, he loved Whakatani because you can swear and, and you're allowed to do it without getting told off. <laughs> he just, he really couldn't get over it. He's a great guy. He's living over in uh, Colts Neck in New Jersey. He's, um, he, right now, he's traveling. Uh, with horses, I think they can put. I think they can put four horses into there. Big one. Uh, Fran's going to send me. She's going to send me a photograph of that, aren't you, Fran? Going to send me a photo of your because um, that's his mum, and that's my friend's sister, Fran. She's listening now. I'm probably listening now. She listens in from Colts Neck. Hi to you, Fran. Uh, I don't know whether you are. Um, I've, t- I've been trying to say you should probably look at because um, she goes on Facebook, but often Facebook we cut Facebook off. Have to. Got no choice because otherwise they ping me all the time. So I'm actually not even streaming on Facebook this morning. It's a waste of, it's a jolly waste of time. So yeah, we've got a few of you there. You've got half a dozen of you, seven of you. Hello. Um, that's very good. So Fran, if you're there, there's a chat there. You get used to it. You can say something and go, hi. Like I'll just go, hi now, hi, H-I, and then I'll go, boom. There it is, hi. And you can chat to me there. And I did say I was going to keep it there, but I'm not sure. Enable large history pop-out chat. There we are. Oh, there we go. So now I've got the pop-out chat. So now I can read everything that I'm looking at, uh, I think. I'll just have a quick cough. Oh, that's so much better. And then uh, we've got news coming up in three minutes, but then I can look at all the other news stories as well. 
Uh, whereas if you're on the streams, which most people are listening on the streams, they're not on Rumble. Gosh, we've only a handful there. We had 34,000 listeners. That's not bad, is it? Now, was that for a week? No, no, it's a month. 9,000 the month before, and then this month so far, th- almost 35,000. That's not too bad. Oh, that's not too bad. They're, most of them United States and Canada and a um, few in New Zealand. Gosh, are we switched on? Here we are. I just haven't got the mic turned up. I've just started. I've stopped. Stop wearing headphones. Uh, I find it's just so irritating. I've always kept one ear out anyway, so that I can, you know, can kind of speak more natural than if you have headphones on. You're sort of listening to the way you sound. It's awful. It distracts your, you know, your flow of thought. But so now I just have the little, just those little ones that you use with your phone. Plug them in, and I just, I just have one of those hanging out as well. I just have one in so that I can hear what's going on. If diggers out there in the background rummaging around, I can hear him or if someone speaks to me or if a phone rings or something like that I can get hold of it anyway it's unbelievable that I've spoken for about an hour (laughs) strung a sentence together I don't know if it's been legible or not but anyway it's great to have you here and um, if there's anything you want me to talk about this morning or if anything that you want yeah stuff that needs to be brought brought to the attention of people um, got some very interesting people it's had some crazy woman uh, in a group uh, I had to get I had to get out of the group there. She was going on about what happened to her and some altercation she had at a petrol station. I didn't want to know. And quite a few of us left that group, and I got out as well. Uh, and I got a message there from, um, oh, gosh, I've got one from Lisa. It's probably telling me that I'm in trouble because I said something silly last night at the dinner table with my friend because I went into town, oh, yeah, and my son was there, and I said something. Uh, is it, oh, I said, it's not an apology. Oh, no, I have to apologize. It's going to make me beg because I've said something that I shouldn't have done. And then, um, yeah, so that, there we are. So we'll just get rid of Facebook altogether because it's very distracting. Well, here we are. Here we've got news coming up right now. Here we go. We'll just six o'clock news. Now, TNT Radio News. Recapping some of the news that shaped the week, I'm Matt Boyland. Russia accused the United States of profiting off of the war in Ukraine. Addressing the UN Security Council this week, Russia's Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov said Washington was using the war to offload its old and defunct weaponry to Kyiv while using the tens of billions of dollars in so-called military aid for Ukraine to replenish its own stocks with new and updated equipment. We know from what they say, for example, that 90% of the military budget which is being given by the U.S. to the Kiev regime remains in the United States as being used to develop the military industry of the country and to update the weaponry. The old uh, ancient junk is uh, being used in Ukraine. Meanwhile, as European nations ramp up talk of a potential future war with Russia, NATO's chief told reporters this week that Moscow currently poses no threat to any of the alliance's members. It comes as German news outlets report Berlin is preparing for a scenario in which Russia launches an open attack on the US-led bloc as early as the summer of 2025. We don't see any uh, direct or imminent threat against any NATO ally, and, uh, uh, and therefore... Uh, we, uh, uh, of course, monitor closely what Russia does. Uh, we are, uh, we have increased our our um, uh, vigilance, our presence in the eastern part of the alliance. Uh, but the whole idea of that is to prevent any attack on a NATO ally. Moscow has long stated it was NATO that posed an existential threat to Russia by its continuous expansion towards the east. Moscow citing this as well as the bloc's refusal to rule out future Ukrainian membership as some of the key reasons for launching its offensive against Kyiv. Also making news this week, UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres hit out at Israel, calling its rejection of a two-state solution unacceptable. The UN chief making the comments as the Security Council met to discuss the war in Gaza. This refusal 
and the denial of the right to statehood to the Palestinian people would indefinitely prolong a conflict that has become a major threat to global peace and security. As expected, Israel and Palestine clashed over establishing a sovereign Palestinian state. Palestine's ambassador telling the Security Council Israel had given the people of Gaza three choices, genocide, ethnic cleansing or apartheid. For the leaders at the helm in Israel, the Palestinian people are a people too many. They do not see our people as an empirical and political reality to coexist with but as a demographic threat to get rid of through death, displacement or subjugation. These are the choices they offer us, genocide, ethnic cleansing or apartheid. Turkey's foreign minister also accused Israel of committing genocide and inciting a war that's now affecting the entire region. We are seriously concerned with the reports that Israel's war crimes in Gaza may amount to genocide. Turkey consistently warned about the risk of spillover. Now, today, that risk has become reality. In brief, New Zealand announced this week that it was sending a small group of soldiers to the Middle East to help the international coalition there that's supposed to be stopping Houthi attacks on cargo ships in the Red Sea. NATO's put in an order for $1.2 billion worth of artillery shells as the alliance seeks to replace those that the US-led bloc has sent to Ukraine. And India overtook Hong Kong this week as home of the world's fourth biggest stock market. This has been Matt Boyland with your weekly news wrap. I'll be back with more at the top of the next hour. Thanks very much, Matt. With that your was good. help, we can now. continue to fight for freedom, reach oh. new audiences. and Hang on, cue that up again. That wasn't very good. I'll do that properly. I don't know. I, 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 I've taught you how to use this program. With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Weather. Join our quest Weather. for the Weather. truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. push it for you. I'll push it then. We'll go and push it then. FM, the wireless weather. Alrighty, let's look at the weather. Is it on? Yes, we're on. We're on. We're on the air. Yes, you're on the air, bro. I know I'm on the air, right? We need a proper separate studio so I can keep you somewhere else. Alright then. Now do the weather. Okay. Now actually the levels didn't look very high there. Oh the levels are a bit low. What's what on earth's going on there? Why are the levels so low? Oh no, it's that oh no, they're fine. The levels are fine. It's the uh, I tell you the, the problem is not me. It's that weather bed. It's very distracting. I find it very distracting. Alright, looking at the, uh, the the extremes right across the country. Huang Array nineteen point one Gosh, he's sweltering up there in Whangarei. Mosgiel, it's a bit cooler down in the mainland, though. 6.7 degrees there. Kaikoura's got 48 kilometres of wind blowing through there. 48 kilometres, what's that? About 30, 25 knots there, gusting 25 knots. There is rain, though, in the Chathams. They've got eight mills out there. It's 18 degrees and raining, so it's, it's warm and muggy. Temperatures right across the whole country there, Stewart Island, 13 degrees. Invercargill's 9, a bit cooler there, a bit like Masterton and Wellington. It's always cold as charity in Masterton. Ansel disagrees with me. He says it's not. He said it was hot when I was there. I said that when you left, it wasn't hot anymore, was it? Because you were hot, John. <laughs> Obviously, now it's cool. Uh, anyway, in the Cargill, 9 degrees. Dunedin, 12 degrees. Timaru, 11. Christchurch, 14. Blenheim, good morning to you in Blenheim. In the Marlborough Sounds there. Top of the South Island, 12 degrees. Nelson, 16. Westport, 11. France Joseph's on 9 degrees. And Queenstown has 11 this morning. Wellington, 14 degrees. It's still as cold as Charity in um, Masterton, 8 degrees there. Palmerston North over there. I was in the hospital. Spent a lot of time in hospital there with brain damage. <laughs> no, I was all right. No, I tried to electrocute myself, didn't I? I thought I was an electrocute. 
electrician at four years old and uh, ended up in hospital with third degree burns. They called it back then, that's just second degree now, but I, you know, nasty there. Nasty burns in Palmerston North Hospital, uh, 15 degrees there this morning. Over at Mount Egmont, 16 degrees there in New Plymouth. Uh, Napier is on 13 degrees. Masterton, yeah, we, we did them. Taup, you did them. Taupo, 14 degrees. And Rook to Rua, Rotten Hua has um, 13 degrees. Gisborne, 18 degrees. Tauranga, 16. Uh, and uh, Hamilton, they're 13 degrees. Hamilton's very strange, isn't it? Hamilton's a strange place, I'm thinking. Oh, it's a weird. We're farming people. Um, Auckland, 18 degrees. Wangarei, 19.1. Top of the pops. And Kaitaia, a bit chill- chillier up in the north there. The short forecast for all of New Zealand, valid until midnight tonight. Uh, for Northland, Waitomo, uh, including the Coromandel Peninsula. Showers, some possibly heavy this morning. And again for a time from the afternoon. For Gisborne and Hawke's Bay, scattered showers turning to rain this evening. Heavy falls possible north of Wairua. Bay of Plenty, Tapo, Tai Happy, also for the Wairapa and Wellington. You don't say it like that. You've got to use the Maori pronunciation. All right, I'm going to give that a crack then. So for Bay of Plenty, how do you say that in Maori? Bay of Plenty. Topo, Tai Happy, Tai Happy. Uh, Wairarapa and Wellington yeah there we are, got to get the Wellington right there uh, we've got rain and heavy falls uh, possible thunderstorms also before dawn, well it's, no, it's not dawn yet, oh it's getting a bit lighter though I can see it's getting a bit lighter uh, that's going to be in the east, you've got that happening and then it's going to be easing to isolated showers rain turning, uh, returning to Gisborne and also uh, the Hawke's Bay from the evening we've got some heavy falls there possible as well, in the west from Waitomo to Kapiti, Kapate alright Cap. Kapate, Kapiti, Kapiti Coast, you've got mainly fine weather, a few showers in the morning, and then from Waitomo to Waitomo, oh yeah, all right, Waitomo, to um, Whanganui, it's Whanganui, they put an H in it now, Whanganui, oh okay, Whanganui, Whanganui, that'd be Whanganui, that'd be how I'd say, all of the South Island mainly fine today, but you've got areas of morning cloud uh, with isolated early showers, and then you've got areas of low cloud in the east at night coming in there, Chatham Islands, what have you got? Well, you have got the low cloud, uh, and you've got periods of rain uh, which it's doing right now, eight millimetres of rain falling now as I speak, and that's going, but it will ease a bit later on this afternoon. So, for our uh, Chatham Islands listeners, there, the extended forecast for Tuesday for the North Island rain in the east, showers for Wellington, mainly fine, then isolated showers elsewhere. In the South Island tomorrow, you've got fine for most, uh, but showers in the far south, showers developing in Otago and South Canterbury later. On Wednesday, you've got showers in the east uh, about Wellington, it's all going to be easing there in the north. North Island, mainly fine elsewhere. And then in the South Island on Wednesday, you've got early showers for Canterbury, easing, rain for Fjordland and Southland later, later in the day. On Thursday in the North Island, you've got isolated showers about Northland and Gisborne. Fine elsewhere, though. In the South Island Thursday, a few showers most for most regions, south of Nelson, Marlborough, uh, late rain in Fjordland. On Friday, you can expect rain spreading up the South Island to the lower North Island. Showers further north about in the, in the North Island, but fine in the east. Is that a repeat there? I was repeating myself. It sounded like a repeat. I was just reading what it said on the page there. Uh, anyway, gale northwesterly winds through to Cook Strait. There we are, blowing like a gale at Cook Strait. I wonder if they'll change that to some Maori name sometime or other. What will it be called? I don't know, Pone, something rather. Chatham Islands, your extended forecast. Just a quick croak. Oh, so much better. Chatham Islands showers with easterlies on Tuesday becoming more frequent on Wednesday. Rain with southwesterlies on Thursday. There we are, that's it for you.
There we are. And Philip Duncan, of course, he's very good, isn't he? He's got some. He's he's got the weekend feed. I don't think he's up to date with the Monday feed yet, unless he came in late last night. Oh, he has actually. Philip is always probably one of the better uh, meteorologists out there. He said there's a high pressure. It's over the Tasman Sea. They've got a low pressure. That's east of East Cape, and that means a variety of air flows, mostly southerly and easterly, driven by many places for many places rather. Uh, the low has a subtropical connections. The high over the Tasman Sea has uh, cooler air flows for New Zealand. Now, showers are mostly around the North Island at the moment, but some in the eastern South Island too with a bit of drizzle. And he says, keep an eye out for the percentage change of rain from general highest risks times of wet weather. Oh, is that right? You could do that on his website, which is um, weatherwatch.co.nz. And if the wet weather really matters to you, even a 5% risk can mean a downpour is possible around that hour. Oh, so he's got a little tracker over there. He's the best of the lot, really, weatherwatch.co.nz. It's just that it goes, it goes on a bit. But um, he's very good. You can go over there and watch the videos. He goes on a bit. <laughs> you can talk. I know. I know. I go on a bit, don't I? Um, then you've got, um, so you've got this tracker uh, on the rain radar, if that's important to you. Anyway, if it could be important for, for farmers, it could be. I think a lot of people do follow Philip Duncan. It's better than watching, looking in the tea leaves, isn't it? Now, our new app, he said it's it's has a, a clearer rain graphs to see the risks and the latest Met service. What are you doing? I suppose you sort of chip in, borrow some of their stuff, do you, Met service? And they've got NEWA stuff, haven't they? They've got that rain radar imagery. It gives you more tools and fewer nasty surprises. There we are. The South Island is generally more settled today and tomorrow. Uh, we have no weather video today, Monday, due to the Auckland anniversary day. Oh, so everyone's on holiday. We're getting ready. They'll be up soon, getting the boats ready. They will be making sure they've got the main sheet, you know, the sheets organised. They call ropes on boats sheets. You know that, don't you? Hey, it's uh, 11 minutes past 12, just gone into 12. 12 minutes past, looks like 9 from where I'm looking. I do need new glasses, although probably not. Probably just exercise your eyes. You can just exercise, just go in and out and like that and exercise your eyes. I think there are ways you can do it and get your eyes right. I had to look on YouTube and see if there is some ways to get my eyes right because I can see that I'm I'm just going to end up not being able to do, read any news at all. I mean, I can barely read anyway. I'm dyslexic, 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 however you say it, can't read. And um, couldn't read as a child and um, it was a struggle. But, you know, I, I'm getting there. You know, I, I managed to struggle my way through the news and, and you wonderful listeners have put up with me as I sort of fight my way through, you know, trying to make head or tail of things. I've started to get more sense out of um, what I'm reading now, which is quite good. So I'm obviously getting better at it. I could probably be a, new, uh, you know, a, news, a proper radio pronouncer one day if I, if I try hard enough. So um, now what have we got coming up now? Is it actually, it's just nothing, isn't it? have got the senior mongrel mob. They've got caught with some – well, they've caught him anyway. Caught him because he had jammed some methamphetamine into his golf clubs there. But he wasn't there. They, they picked it up in Germany. They've got smart people over there. They've got German short-haired pointers <laughs> and ducks hounds. <laughs> we call them dash hounds, don't we, over here? Dachshund. Yeah, they pick, they've got these little sniffy, sniffer dogs. They'll sniff out anything over there. Yeah, very good. Uh, so that's it there. And uh, news in brief, the police are urging traffic safety measures ahead of the new school year. Police are urging the parents of school children to to talk to their ch- children. No, don't talk to them. <laughs> not, not what you want to do. You don't get to talk to them. It's a bit like that with us, isn't it? You know, you would think that if there is a God, that God would talk to us, wouldn't you? You would talk. You wouldn't just, I mean, if, if uh, the relationship that we have with our own kids uh, is one of, uh, you know, so like, 
parent-child relationship. You don't just leave them in a corner and not talk to them, do you? You do talk to your children. So therefore, it's reasonable, isn't it, that there is, if a God, he'd want to talk to us. Well, how would he do that if he's not available at the moment? He's busy somewhere else outside in heaven. Well, he would do it with, uh, he'd write letters. That's what we do, don't we? Write letters for the kids. And you just write one letter. You know, or write a series of letters, of different ones, and you put it all together, collate it all into the canon, you know, into a, into a book we can all read. And if it's if it is from God, it should be perfect. That would be another element, wouldn't it? That you know, what is the element? What are the necessary elements of a divine revelation? Like, how do we know it's not rubbish? Like, you look at the Quran; it says the sun goes down into a murky pool of water. We go, we discount that one then straight away, wouldn't we? Because we know that's not true. <laughs> What else do we discount? Oh, they get everything mixed up in the Quran because it's basically plagiarized from the Bible, uh, the Quran. And it was only, when did that come about? I mean, the, the oldest book of the Bible is about 3,400 years old, I think, uh, just after the flood. Or when does the flood was around about the Great Flood was about three and a half thousand years ago, maybe a bit less than that. But anyway, so I don't know how do we get onto that? Oh, you talk to your children. Yes, you must talk to your children about the dangers of going to and from school, watching out for pedophiles. Uh, and no, not that, about on the road. But watch out for them as well. And also be careful and warn your children about the uh, communist uh, infiltration of the education system, that they will try and brainwash you into things that aren't... Always question what the teacher says. Don't go along with everything. Question them. They hate it when you do that. Yes, you won't do very well at school. You won't get the good marks because you've, you've, you've got to toe the line if you want to get ahead at school. Say what you've got to get good marks. <laughs> so you've got to do what you're told. You know, study all the rubbish they want you to study. Read all the books and that, and then you get the good marks. So you, so why do you do that? Well, so I can get a good job, and then you get a good job, and then what happens? Well, you get laid off. Yeah, that's right. So you work hard, study hard, get good marks, get a good job, and then get laid off. Now forget that. What you want to do is just forget your own business going. Forget about working for other people. It's dead. I try and convince my kids not to work for other people, but they want to work for other people. And I suppose it is quite good because you get you pick up uh, experience, don't you? See how people operate and think, well, oh, I don't want to do it that way. I'll do it better. But they'll all, I'd say both my kids will end up uh, being, you know, they've kind of got that entrepreneurial spirit that comes from their father and, uh, and, uh, and their mother. She's quite entrepreneurial. And so I would think that they will probably end up doing that. We're even having what they call a side hustle now, don't they? They're hustling on the side, you know, a business, a business going on the side there. And, but, but your employers don't like it when you've got a little thing going on the side. I don't like it. I'm these Amway <laughs> That's Don't even think about that. It's just a waste of time. It's a pyramid scheme. You know, it's not a pyramid scheme. It's proper, you know, it's, it's network marketing. Oh, yeah, all right. <clears throat> it's a pyramid scheme, if you ask me. Anyway, so act, act, the act leader, he laments the loss of lost decades as coalition gets to work. Really, act leader David Seymour, he has attacked the Clark government. She was a Helen Clark, she's a lesbian uh, KGB agent there and a prostitute for the, that's what they say, that's what it says in Greg Hallett's book. I didn't say it, I'm just telling you, allegedly she was a, a, a KGB agent there, over there and she got into trouble there with some some hooker and, and a girlfriend. Uh, she apparently went over to visit mum and dad, because this is what the book says, went over to visit mum and dad in the in the UK or somewhere. But she ended up taking a diversion to, um, where did she go now? Well, we went to the United States there and saw George W. And that was before he became a Christian. I think he's too, he's mended his ways. Anyway, he said stay the night. And um, one of the one lovely old place there, and I think it was George Washington's, House or something, or well, one of those, you know, famous people from the old days, you know, the founding father types. And he was there. And apparently, 
um, they'd gone through and they put video cameras and spy cameras everywhere and sound devices, and then um, they gave her apparently they 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 gave them an extra girl to keep them company, a little pillow pillow talk uh, with uh, just the three of them there, and all the cameras were rolling, and uh, because she didn't want to be part of the Iraq War, she said, "Oh no, we're not going to do that." Oh no, we're not doing. That. I can't speak in that her her accent. I've got a. If you want to know what Helen Clark sounds like, I'll, I've got a. I've got a little recording. I'll find it. I'll dig it out. Um, dig it. Go and dig. Dig that out for me. All right. I'll have a look. It's under spots. All right. You've got a few spots this morning. Yes, I have. Now, um, so Helen Clark will dig her out, and you can have a listen to see what she sounds like. And then you've got John Key. So Seymour's lamenting this, you know, how they've ruined our country, John Key, because he was national, but really. So Clark was a, was a communist, and Key, he's a fascist. And, of course, Seymour's a fascist, too. He doesn't realise it yet. They all, they all are, basically, basically collectivists, which is, you know, the good of the group. The forest is more important than the trees, but there's no trees. In, they're all trees in the forest. There's actually no forest. When you get into a forest, there's no forest. They're all trees. They're all individuals, aren't they? Individual trees. And they, they don't treat us like that. They do that as individuals. They treat us as this collective of people, the people. It's very terrible. And that's, that's what the uh, collectivists do. And they're very dangerous people. All the, the dictators of the world were collectivists. And we heard from G. Edward Griffin, don't we? I, from time to time I play him just to remind you, just to remind everybody just how dangerous uh, democracy can be, the, the majority rule, very dangerous, unless you've got a wee piece of paper that says that these are the rules that the government must follow. You can do everything you want. You can do the majority rules, but there's a constitution called a constitution. You can't do this and you can't do that. Like we decide the majority of people say we're going to eat you for lunch. Uh, well, you can't do that because they say, no, you're not allowed to eat people for lunch. <laughs> All right, so we can't do that then. All right, so that's what a constitution's about. So you must have one. It's no good even having a, a republic without a constitution. You need to have a constitutional republic. And I think we should move away from the crown. Forget that old uh, funny old fellow, now the king. I think they've done us no good. Have they really? Not really. What have they done? They're supposed to be there to, to guarantee. It's supposed to be the best form of um, democracy out as the as a constitutional monarchy, and that's what New Zealand actually officially is. That's what we are, a constitutional monarchy. But it's been a waste of time for us, hasn't it? Absolute waste of time because they're all the governed generals now, the governors general. They actually all go to school with everybody. You know, it's, New Zealand's a very small place, and they're all just there's nepotism involved. They all just sort of toe the line, and so we've got these governor generals that are supposed to be acting uh, on the behalf of the king. You know, and they supposed and they're supposed to be following the constitution. Apparently, it's not the like an indefinite article. It's uh, sorry, the definite article. It's sort of like an indefinite article when they say the word constitution uh, here it's, it's made up of lots of law books you know lots of different things oh, it's probably the 1688 bill of rights those sorts of things which no one follows and we saw that over covid it's a load of baloney so just forget it <laughs> just forget it form we need to vote for in um, new zealand loyal with liz gunn and the 33 other wonderful people that have just come from all walks of life that love our country and they're loyal to us and they're not loyal to the world health not uh, uh, world health uh, organization or the 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 with the world economic forum with that half wit klaus Schwab. Oh, he's got a new record out too. Anyway, that's David Seymour, um, Ardern, all this. He said it's just terrible. He said, but Labour, Labour MP Willie Jackson said he doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, Willie, you would say that, you half it. You're a communist, you are. Yes, what you are. Hey, look, well, I'm gonna, we've got Klaus Schwab. He's got a new song out too. If you've missed it for Christmas, the, the one you want uh, is coming up. I can find it. Where, where is it now? He's got a whole album set, actually. Klaus has just come out. Where are you? I had you there. Um, 
Well, there you are. Yes, it's coming up. Uh, right after this, we'll hear from uh, Klaus's brand new, brand new song there. If you missed it, you can buy it for birthday or something like that. Constantly seek criticism. Yeah. Uh, a, a, well, a well thought out critique of whatever you're doing is as valuable as gold. Um, and you should seek that from everyone you can, but particularly your friends. Yeah, that's quite right. Now, that is Elon Musk as well. Now, we're Klaus, yeah, found Klaus, and we've also got Peter, Dr. Peter Goshe, uh, Gotchi. He is going to be talking to us uh, very soon. Um, yes, we'll go have him, and then straight after that, we'll bring you the five o'clock bulletin from Radio New Zealand, find out what's really going on, but it's all propaganda, so I don't know. <laughs> Waste of time. 22 minutes past six. You're listening to Grant Edwards, 88.1 FM, The Wireless, The World at Five. You heard Klausy McSchwab's first two records. Back, scenes, back, all night. You know nothing and be happy. But this one is going to make your modified mRNA tingle. Time Lies presents Greatest Schwab's, Volume 15. A new world order in music. One, two, three, four, five. All the unvaccinated are still alive. A little bit of Pfizer in my arm. A little bit of BioNTech does no harm. A little Johnson Johnson does the trick. A little AstraZeneca so you don't get sick. It's booster number five. Let's talk about Rex, baby. Let's talk about Doc Fauci. Let's talk about all the weird and counter side effects, maybe. Let's talk about Rex. Let's talk about Rex a little, little, little. Come and take the seven shots, the seven shots. It's a little luck you get. My, 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 oh! My, 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 okaditis. You won't have to be rich. With CBDC, you'll have all you need with central currency. We just take your extra wealth and your cash. And you can walk 500 steps, but not a single step more until the curfew activates and robot cops stand at your door. Just a small town boy thinking genetically modified soy. This ensures he doesn't co-create. Please stop the breeding. Stop the breeding. We are almost nine billion people. Please stop breeding right now. He didn't start the Pfizer. We just made you take it, even if you hate it. Greatest Schwab's, Volume 15. Now available on Spotify and MRN Apple Music. All the caterpillar tastes like chicken in vine. And mealworm tastes just like a steak. Ain't nothing better than a deep fried butterfly or centipede protein shake. Be sure to check the cricket mag nuggets out. They're almost as crunchy as worms. 
and chew your drink as hopper sandwich extra loud. Cause this is all you get. I don't care who you are, where you're from, don't care what you want, you will eat a bar hearts. Oh, no, we don't want that. That's rubbish, isn't it? You should edit that out at the end there. That's rubbish. You downloaded that off. You downloaded that off YouTube, didn't you? Are you allowed to do that? I don't know. Maybe. 25 minutes past six here, and you're listening to the Liberty NZ, the five o'clock. The Liberty NZ podcast, too, if you miss this, if you can't drag yourself out of bed or can't you know, open your eyelids and switch me on in the morning, then you can always go to Podbean. Follow us over there. I think we've got, you know, two and, uh, not that many. We don't have very many people. We'll build this thing up one day. Hopefully, people, you know, come to their senses and start tuning into me instead of, well, you don't tune in, do you, anymore? Uh, click on me instead of um, turning the radio on. My son says, no one listens to the radio, Dad. No one listens to the radio anymore. We just, we've got iTunes. I, not iTunes, what's the one? It's Spotify. Everyone just listens to their own kind of music they want to listen to. No one likes my country music that I play. I love it. Well, there's some stuff I don't like. I'm getting rid of that. I like the indie country, kind of like that. I'll play a country song in a minute. That's why we're not on U- uh, Facebook or YouTube, because they just delete. They deleted another one. I'll show you what the one they deleted straight away. Um, I'll just quickly find that, and then I'll give you the... Uh, oh, no, we'll do the bulletin. We'll do the 5 o'clock bulletin from Radio New Zealand, the fake stream media. Find out what's going on there. I wonder if it's Vicky, the wonderful Vicky Mackay. She's great. She's lovely. We love listening to her. So we'll put her on now. Well, whoever it is, it could be Mark Leishman or it might be um, Angie, Angie, um, Angie Scarab. Maybe she's on. Uh, let's have a listen and find out. We'll do the 5 o'clock bulletin. It came through at 5. What's the time now? 27 minutes past 6 here at the, um, the World at 5 with me, your host, Grant Edwards and Digger. Goodbye. RNZ News at five. Morena, I'm Vicky Mackay. Good morning. The ACT leader David Seymour is trying to convince his coalition partners to flatten the tax system in this year's budget, arguing everyone can be better off. Finance Minister Nicola Willis has promised tax relief this year, but has asked Treasury to look at whether aspects of ACT's plan can be incorporated. ACT wants to scrap the lowest tax threshold at 10.5%, meaning the government would collect more revenue in total from all taxpayers. Some of the extra money raised would then be returned to low- and middle-income earners through a targeted tax credit. The extra money left over would then allow the government to reduce the highest tax rates. A neighbour to the 79-year-old woman found dead at her Weddington home says residents on Baroda Street are anxious for answers. A homicide investigation was launched yesterday after Helen Gregory was found dead at her Kandala property on Wednesday night. Police say her death was the result of a violent act. Stephen Watt says the neighbourhood has been left reeling, saddened at her death and are concerned for their own safety. He described Gregory as a quiet woman who kept to herself. An education researcher says schools should offer an holistic education, ensuring that children learn basic literacy and numeracy skills as part of that. The new school year starts this week and coalition government's been clear it wants to improve academic achievement as standards are slipping across the sector. Education Hub founder Nina Hood says school is about more maths, more than maths, reading and writing. But she says developing those skills is critical for achievement across the system and onto and into life. 
Ms Hood says it's important that educators get that teaching right in the first few school years. A lake once called one of Auckland's hidden gems is approaching a year closed after Cyclone Gabrielle. Lake Wainamu, which is bordered by large black sand dunes, closed after the nearby car park and walking tracks sustained damage. Aucklanders have shared their frustration at the closure, but the council says the lack of parking means when people visit the lake it complicates access to nearby Bethel's Beach. It says parts of the lake will be able to reopen once more parking is available. The nearby loop track is likely to be closed for several years as parts of it need to be replaced. In France, two activists have thrown what's reported to be soup at the glass-protected Mona Lisa at the Louvre in Paris. It splattered the bulletproof glass covering Leonardo da Vinci's masterpiece and the painting itself has not been damaged. The BBC's Hugh Schofield reports. A video circulating online captures the moment when the two women flung what appears to be tomato soup at the Mona Lisa, leaving streaks and spatters all over the painting's glass protective screen. Women then turn to address the public, one of them asking, which is more important, art or the right to healthy, sustainable food? Security staff are immediately... Hey, have you noticed that? They're doing the same here. They're doing it in Sydney, Melbourne. They're doing it all over the world. So it's the... the it's probably that George Soros is paying these people to do the stupid stuff, throwing red paint on things and chopping down things like Captain Cook, chopping him off at the ankles and the statue of him and who was it, Queen Victoria as well. They're doing all the same stuff. The communists are at work, folks. That's what they are. Back to the news. ...on the scene and the room was evacuated for cleaning. It's the latest in a series of attacks by activists on famous paintings in museums around the world. The Mona Lisa was itself a target nearly two years ago when its protective screen was hit by a cream tart. In sport, England batsman <coughs> Ollie Pope's epic yeah, 195 sport. and he's, he's, spin bowler Tom Hartley's seven wickets on debut set up England's thrilling 28-run victory against India yeah, in the opening test at Hyderabad today, giving England first blood in the five-match test series. And in tennis, 22-year-old Italian Yannick Sinner has come back from two sets down to defeat Russian Daniel Medvedev in five sets to win his first tennis Grand Slam tournament the Australian Open. Oh. And that's the news. And thank you very much. That's Vicky Mackay. She's a lovely person. She's so professional too. She speaks proper. She speaks proper English. Now we've got Dave Chappelle. He swears a bit. So hopefully there's no swearing in this. 28 minutes to 7. TNT Radio News coming up at 7. We've also got before before we, before we then, straight after the Dave Chappelle, we're going to go right into Dr. Peter, looks like Gorche. He is going to be exposing the, um, the big farmer. And you've got to listen to this. And you've got to open your mind and listen to what he's saying. This guy's a doctor. Yes, you, you doctor. And, it's, and it wasn't safe and effective. It didn't stop transmission, did it? No, 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 it didn't stop transmission. And it, it basically just all my friends that have, that, that have had, that had to be jabberoonied, had to be jabbed, had to be given the COVID-19 vaccine in their arm. They are now sick and getting sicker. You're not out of the woods yet just because you didn't die. And about 10,000 people, 10 to 12,000 people have died as a result of that, according to our whistleblower, Barry Young. You can find out about him with Liz Gunn. You can go to, uh, uh, pro- probably go to counterspinmedia.com and give them a donation while you're there as well because they're doing great work. 
they'll be, they're the new media. They're the real media. And um, also Liz Gunn as well. She's a former, well, they call her a conspiracy theorist, but she's not at all. No, she's, she believes there are conspiracies, and then she's exposing them. She's a, a conspiracy exposer, exposer. Yes, she likes to do an expose on the conspiracies, uh, and so does Counterspin Media. But I tell you what, nothing goes out of Counterspin Media unless it's been th- thoroughly checked. Uh, so you can trust what they say. And some people, someone said, oh, they're, they're um, what do they call it, running interference. They're... Um, uh, well, the controlled opposition, what a load of fooey, what a load of nonsense. You're obviously, someone that's never spoken to them, don't know who they are. They are not. <laughs> it's just rubbish. Anyway, here's Dave Chappelle, and then we'll hear Dr. Dr. Peter Gocci. I think I was something like that, Peter Gocci. And then Jim Rom, we've got him. He's going to cheer us up. Creating powerful, what does he say? Oh, he, the wind is blowing here. Got, got the wind up me. Yeah, she's a bit blowy today to blow off all that rain we had last night uh, to dry everything up. Now, Jim Ron's, Jim Ron's going to be talking about personal development. There we are. We need a bit of personal development. Here's, here's Dave Chappelle on 26 Minutes to 7. I'm sitting in the bar. I'm having a drink by myself. And the only other person in the bar is a woman, a couple stools down. And she was alone. She was older. So I told the bartender, send that woman a drink on me. She's trying to spread the cheer. And I wish I didn't. This woman wanted to talk. She says, my daughter is coming home for the holidays. Oh, that's great news. I'm glad you're not going to be alone. And then she goes on and on about how great her daughter is. And as she's telling me this, I'm thinking, this woman is so sweet. She probably doesn't even know who I am. And then she goes, would you like to see her picture? Oh, now I don't want to see this woman's picture, but what am I going to do? I go, okay, yeah, sure, I'd love to. I'd love to. I'd love to see the picture. And, and I grab the picture, and this is all I say. This is all I say. <sighs> she's very beautiful. And as she puts the picture away, she... She looks mean all of a sudden, like she caught me in some kind of trap. What does that face mean? And then she goes, she's transgender. And I think to myself, oh, this bitch does know who I am. <laughs> My name is Peter Gertz. I'm a director of the Nordic Cochrane Center in Copenhagen and professor of research design and analysis at the University of Copenhagen. Two years ago, I found out that our prescription drugs are the third leading cause of death after heart disease and cancer. Our drugs kill around 200,000 people in America every year, and half of these people die while they do what their doctors told them. So they die because of the side effects. The other half die because of errors, and it's often the doctors that make the errors because any drug may come with 20, 30, or 40 warnings, contraindications, precautions, and so on. No doctor in the world knows about all this. So they give patients drugs that they should not have given them, that interact dangerously with other drugs or food items or so on. And then the patients die. That's the other half. So. Uh, The other thing I found out two years ago was that um, uh, much of what the drug industry does fulfills the criteria for organized crime in U.S. law. And they behave in many ways like the mafia does. They corrupt everyone they can corrupt. They have bought every type of person, even including ministers of health in some countries. So there is a huge amount of corruption. In, In my country, for example, Denmark, we are regarded as having very little corruption, but yet we have thousands of doctors on industry payroll, although we are just 20,000 doctors. So this is an effective kind of corruption. The drug industry buys the professors first, then chiefs of department, then other 
chief physicians and so on, they don't buy junior doctors. So when several thousands are on industry payroll, it's really, really bad. And that's why I wrote my um, book, uh, Deadly Medicines and Organized Crime, how Big Pharma has corrupted healthcare. I hope to convince patients not to take so many drugs because so many die from the drugs they take. In my country, people take so many drugs that every single citizen can be in treatment with one and a half drugs from they are born till they die. This is incredible. And drugs are not that helpful. And uh, they kill very many of us. We know that. That's why drugs are the third major killer after heart disease and cancer. So what we need in the coming years is to take far fewer drugs than what we do currently. If we did that and we were careful, then we could live longer and live better lives. Mm. Because drugs have many side effects okay. and mm. patients often don't realize mm. that when they become worse, that it could be a side effect of the drug, sure, they which the they doctor. continue taking because that's what their doctors tell them. So when I was a specialist in internal medicine, uh, what I very often did was that I stopped a lot of drugs, particularly in elderly people, and it's, it's quite revealing to see a bedridden elderly person come into your ward, and when you stop the drugs, I mean, that person becomes many years younger. And, uh, and uh, many of these drugs affect the brain and old people tolerate that very, very badly. They fall, and when they break a hip, a quarter of them die. And for example, antidepressant drugs are used in more than 10% of our elderly. And um, uh, they seem to kill 3% of them every year. I mean, uh, if 100 old people take an antidepressant for one year, 3% uh, of them will die because they fall and break their hip. This is a huge death rate. So a lot of other drugs and antidepressants also make f people fall and kill them. Uh, and, and they may affect your cognition, your memory and all these things. And then they interact in ways that we know almost nothing about. Uh, very many elderly, they, they take more than five drugs a day and we actually don't know how these drugs interact with each other. What we do know is that all drugs have many effects in the body, and some of them interact also in their metabolism, so that you can get a too high concentration of a drug if you take other drugs simultaneously. So we make a lot of harms that we don't even recognize. I have a pretty colorful collection of things people have called me during all these years. And sometimes journalists have asked me, why do you always look up controversy? And my reply is, I don't. Controversy looks me up. Because it's not popular to tell the truth in healthcare. You will get a lot of enemies. Because a lot of people make money on false premises. Doctors and industry alike. And our drug regulators and our politicians, they are on board on this wagon. 
So uh, very few people are independent of money in healthcare. And, uh, and of course, I have uh, attacked uh, a lot of holy cows during my career, and people have screamed loudly. Uh, in a French journal, I was called a statistical masturbist because I showed with statistics that mammography screening didn't work and things like that. Um, and I was even accused of scientific misconduct by the Association of the Danish Pharmaceutical Industry which was completely ludicrous. It was harassment from beginning to end. They came with vague arguments that we cannot recognize the conclusions in your study. And they could have come up with numbers and said, these numbers are wrong. They didn't do anything. It was only harassment. It lasted uh, 18 months, months, I think, the whole thing. And then when we were acquitted, I made sure that this nasty behavior was described in the British Medical Journal. Um, so after that, they haven't come so much after me, the Danish drug industry. And when my book about organized crime came out, they just lied about it, as they always do. That my examples were old, they went back 90 years and so on. But, you know, where I demonstrate that what the 10 biggest companies do is organized crime. Uh, these examples, they were from within the last 10 to 15 years. That's not old examples. And the crimes have increased because when crime pays, you will have more crime. That's mm. how capitalism works. Yeah, that's how it works. All right. There he is. That's uh, Dr. Peter Gorchi or something like that. One of those words. And uh, your words are a bit of a mystery to me. Now, I've got a bit of rhythm and blues coming up there from R. R.T. Burnside, yeah, going to hear that. And then we're going to hear from Peter, Peter, um, Peter Hitchens, and he's having a chat with Matthew Perry before he was found floating uh, face down in his spa pool. Uh, this, uh, was it late last year? I think it was. Anyway, yeah, sometime around then. You're listening to Grant Edwards, 88.1 FM, The Wireless, The World at Five. All right, here we go. You on out there? Yep. Oh, that's a groovy beat, isn't it? Yeah, it's called Syncopated. Syncopation. I know, because he used to be a drummer.
Ireland. That's pretty good, isn't it? Eh? Yes, it's not LT, it's LR. LR, LR Burnside there with lyrics from, who's it from there? Somebody Baby. Yeah, somebody, somebody, born, born somebody baby. Oh, I don't know. What is it? Born, born some, oh, I don't know. Can't make it out. Peter Hitchens, he makes a bit more sense than me this morning. I, I'm, a, I'm a drug addict. I'm a person that if I have a drink, I can't stop. And so it would. That's Matthew Perry. He thinks he can't stop. He thinks it's out of his hands. Now, you watch Hitchens sort him out. Be following your ideology that I'm choosing to do that. That yeah, I'm choosing. That's exactly my, not my ideology, it is my belief. Yes, you do choose. It is. And, it's, and it's a belief that you wrote in your book, correct? You, you have a choice over whether, you, whether you drink or not. You have a choice yeah. over But your book is the only book in modern times that has this ideology. Yeah. So doesn't that teach you something? Well, it's quite often, quite, quite often unfashionable ideas are unfashionable <laughs> because they are unpopular with, 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 with influential people. I'm in control of the first drink. Mm. And so I do all these things to protect myself from not having the first drink. Sure. Mm. But that once I have the that case, drink, though. the allergy of the body kicks in. This is all documented mm. alcoholism mm. proof. Mm. Then, I, then I can't stop after that. No, he just doesn't want to hear the truth, does he? Peter Hitchens there speaking the truth. Oh, Peter, he's good. And uh, Matthew Perry, of course, he's probably on drugs when he um, ended up in his spa pool there floating, unresponsive. Here's Jim Ron to cheer us all up. Price is easy if the promise is clear and powerful. But the price seems almost too much to pay, too much to get over, too much to accomplish if the promise isn't clear, if the promise isn't powerful. We will pay the most extraordinary disciplines if we can see the promise of the future called setting goals. So I'm asking you to get a handle on the future. I'm asking you not to leave it to anyone else. Don't leave it to the company. Company's got their own goals. I'm asking you to set your own goals, your personal goals. Income goals and financial goals and health goals and spiritual goals and where do you want to go and what do you want to do and what do you want to see and what do you want to be? That's it. Promise of the future. Design your own future. That's right. You've got to take responsibility for everything you do. Here's Donald Trump, the former president, Donald Trump. He actually is the president, but they stole the 2020 election off him, didn't they? Yes, they did. Did you use that $916 million loss to avoid paying personal federal income taxes? For of course I do. Of course I do. And so do all of her donors, or most of her donors. I know many of her donors. I absolutely used it, and so did Warren Buffett, and so did George Soros, and so did many of the other people that Hillary is uh, getting money from. Now, if she had a problem, for 30 years she's been doing this, Anderson, I say it all the time. She talks about health care. Why didn't she do something about it? She talks about taxes. Why didn't she do something about it? She doesn't do anything about anything other than talk. She has made bad judgment not only on taxes, she's made bad judgments on Libya, on Syria, on Iraq. I mean, her and Obama, whether you like it or not, the way they got out of Iraq, the vacuum they've left, that's why ISIS formed in the first place. They started from that little area, and now they're in 32 different nations, Hillary. Congratulations. Great job. There you go. Hey, hey. Now, now, let's have a bit more country music, eh? This is Eric Paslay. She don't love you anymore, buddy. Sorry about that. She don't love you, she's just lonely. She wasn't once upon a time. She used to dance when the band played. Used to be the trust and kind 
She's no stranger to the leaving She's heard all the best goodbyes Fallen has a different meaning To her you're just another guy She don't love you, she's just lonely been broken Too many cowboys run away So forgive her if she's distant She can't tell her heart to lie No You'll never be She's just lonely By Eric Pansley, she don't love you, she's just lonely. It's six minutes away from 7 TNT Radio News coming up at 7 o'clock. Uh, but let's first go into News Hub and see what the stories are there. A fire, a fire and emergency, they've battled a suspicious house fire in Huangamata overnight. Uh, the other headlines in the Middle East, three US troops have been killed, 34 wounded in Jordan drone attack. That's linked to Iran. In crime, terrifying claims of being hunted as prey, possible serial killer uh, in a series of piha 
Piha, Piha disappearances. Yeah, they think there's a, that, that, that is the case. That's just come out 25 minutes ago. Go over to newshub.co.nz and you can read that story on crime. Uh, quite a few people have gone missing. The Maoris, of course, think it's something superstitious. Some ghosts or something have taken them. Uh, or, you know, aliens. Uh, but it's probab- probably, uh, there could be a serial killer there preying on people. Act leader. He, uh, he says, you can leave everyone better off. This is David Seymour. He pushes for a simpler tax system. Uh, live entertainment, a little bit of nostalgia, a mother nature, tears Hamilton, uh, tears through Hamilton, a new one as the summer gig washed out completely and people had to evacuate. And in lifestyle, you've got Dyson opens its first ever demo store in New uh, New Zealand. Dyson, that's a, they're a wonderful vacuum cleaner. Uh, in crime, neighbours anxious for answers as the homicide investigation into the elderly woman's death continues. And in fishing, a buyer beware, illegal seafood tra- a seafood trade sparks public warning from the fisheries officials. In health, uh, you all are better off. Uh, fears as a popular Stanley Cups confirmed to contain lead. The popular Stanley Cups, do they really? They're called Stanley Cups. I didn't know that. In education, away all day. Government phone ban in schools. Got to put them away. Includes during lunch breaks. Not allowed to look at your phone. I think that's fair enough. They're doing that all over the world. Kids are going downhill uh, drastically. And I think those mobile phones are part of the answer, part of the problem. Coming up to, uh, it's five minutes to seven right now. Coming up to news uh, with TNT Radio at seven o'clock. We'll give you the latest bulletin there. Although it tends to be a wee bit outdated uh, because uh, that oh, Sunday they have the day of rest, I suppose, isn't it, for them over there. So we're getting some sort of the, the news of the week with TNT Radio, I'll bring you up to date with um, what's happening on the on in the newspapers uh, now. Uh, so there we are. So let's move across to the Otago Daily Times and see what they've got up on offer. Well, it says here K- uh, Kmart, the real turning point for South D, whatever that is, a developer. Oh yes, a developer of Dunedin's Kmart says one of its op- one is uh, uh, once it is opened in southern Dunedin in the shopping district, they will rival. The, uh, the city centre. And we've got a lovely photograph of a um, an old um, beautiful car. I don't know what it is. It's, it's got a big H on it, H something rather. I'm not sure what it is. The Dunedin Mayor, Jules Radich. He's flagged away 83 pre-1919 veteran vintage cars on the uh, on Saturday as they started their journey to the Brighton Domain from the Octagon during the 70th anniversary of the what? There's a video there. We'll have to click on it find out what it is uh, of the um, 70th anniversary of the Dunedin Brighton All Veteran Vehicle Rally, which was run in conjunction with the the National Veteran Rally. There we are. That's what's happening in Dunedin. And it looks good, didn't they? Have the old sort of like little hats on with the the muffs, the the things that flaps that come down over your ears. And uh, you've got more than 10,000 people have packed into what? And it's just disappeared on me, that story. Uh, amazing turnout. It looks like sport. Yep, more than 10,000 people packed at the final Pack the Park fundraiser game at Rugby Park in Invercargill over the weekend. Other stories from the Otago Daily Times. The uh, d- 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 looks like uh, it'll be Dunedin, Dunedin City Council to consider housing support. Incentives for making buildings in Dunedin stronger and warmer. Uh, to conserve their heritage will be reviewed and the City Council is to consider additional support for converting vacant inner-city buildings 
into residential. I think that's a good idea. Now, there's a landfill still on borrowed time, an assessment of the risk of the Green Island landfill that poses uh, the risks to human health is yet to be filed as the Dunedin's, Dunedin's dump continues to operate on borrowed time. Other stories from the Dunedin, uh, Dunedin, the Otago Daily Times, archery hits the spot for prospective club members uh, from Ligolas to... Looks like Katniss Everdeen, a Dunedin, oh, I don't know what that was, Dunedin Archery Club, has found itself short of inspiration for attracting new members. They're running a bit short there. You've got to get into the old archery. It's a good game there. Oh, not, not a game. It's a good sport. I, I like archery. It's quite good. And uh, there we are. Hundreds queue on board the Spirit. That's the Spirit of Adventure. Hundreds of visitors queued up at Bluff Wharf on Saturday to board the Spirit of New Zealand. That's a wonderful old sailing ship, and young people can go and have a bit of fun on that. And then there was a rodeo. Rodeo turns it on for the crowd. Spectators thrilled for the uh, for the uh, celebration of courage, skill, and raw adrenaline at the Lawrence Rodeo. That was on Saturday, and you'll, of course you'll have all those funny people there protesting about how cruel it is to the horses and the bulls. But I think the bulls love it. You want to get over. Sometimes I put on some bull bull riding. In fact, I might just do that very quickly now. I'll just whip across there. I don't think there's anybody. I think they've all left me over on... Um, everyone seems to be listening. A few people from Aussie listening there uh, over on the streams, but nobody on uh, Rumble, I don't think. I think you've all deserted me. But now what am I going to do? I am going to um, bring in... Uh, I've got this... Um, I wonder if this is the one there. I think that's the one there. I've got a bit of bull riding there. So you can enjoy that. I'll just get rid of that funny little thing that's over the top there. Get rid of that. There we are. So you can enjoy some bull riding while you're listening to me. A chit chat. How about that? There we are. I'll pull that down. Okay. So we um. So that was Eric Pasley. Yes, and we did that. And we're over at the Otago Daily Times. What else have we got? Now we've got a um a moped rally that takes to the road. A fleet of vintage vehicles took to the roads in North Otago on Saturday, but they were not what you would expect. They were little mopeds. They were, and that's a bit of fun, isn't it? Mopeds. Uh, a lot of fun. Now we'll move across now to uh, how about some Aussie news? Should we go to Sky News? No, we won't go there just yet. What about um, we'll do abc.net.nz uh, .au I should say au. And um, what's more important, environmental activists they throw soup at the Mona Lisa. I, we had that in the news. We protesters throw red and orange soup into the glass protecting the famous paintings. Uh, to gasp from the crowd in the French capital's Louvre Museum. And uh, the Socceroos, they qualify for the Asian Cup quarterfinals with the win over Indonesia. Australian advances to the final eight of the Australian Cup after 4-0. Four win- it was a 4-0 win over Indonesia uh, over the weekend. And that's just come through an hour ago, so that probably happened late yesterday. West Indies, West Indies, they take a, a victory, or they make victory, and they bring light to test cricket on the day of impossible joy. Impossible joy. Uh, with a win to win for the ages at the, uh, the Gabba, the West Indies, they bring a precious life, precious life to the Australia's summer with their own hopes for a prosperous future and a health, a health of test cricket. Uh, and the, or rather the health of test cricket. Oh, you can't read this morning. No, never mind. Okay, and we've got this jockey, Kelsey Hannon. She's seriously injured after falling uh, at the race course. The young apprentice jockey's been airlifted to the Royal Adelaide Hospital after falling off her horse at the um, Strath, Strath, Strathalburn, it looks like. 
Strathalburn Racecourse there. And uh, five quick hits, Tears of Joy and Unwanted Aussie Records uh, as the Windies pull off an unlikely win. Uh, there was an emotional celebration all round at the Gabba as the West Indies pulled off their impossible, but uh, some Australians created some unwanted history for their own here. Uh, here's five quick hits for our uh, for our day of four. So you'd have to go and read that story for yourself. That one there, Simon Simon Smale at the Gabba with Dean Bilton there, and they'll tell you all about that. Uh, and you can find them at abc.net.au, and you can read all about that sport. So it's all sporty, sporty, sporty. What have we got here? Cook the Colony. Oh, Cook the Colony. Third monument targeted at Melbourne vandalism spree. Uh, the third a colonial monument has been targeted by vandals in a string of incidents taking place around January the 26th. And the second waterfall death on New, on New South Wales' north coast sparks concerns for risk-takers. Police say the man had been injured with a group of men from uh, from the 30-metre-high falls and uh, failed to resurface. Oh, dear. And there's also a video showing police uh, closing in on the Brisbane attempted murder suspect. Two men are facing multiple charges, including attempted murder after an alleged shooting that police believe was targeting uh, a Bris- uh, someone in, in, in Brisbane on Sunday. Yes, it was a targeted murder. Not very good. And uh, what else have we got? And it's not about celebrity. A Western Australia premier says he's not nervous about Basil Zempilas's political tilt. Western Australian Premier Roger Cook, he dismisses the suggestion that he was nervous about the high-profile Liberal hopeful Basil Sampila's uh, plan to run in the 2025 state election. And a man dies after being swept into the Yarra River, the rapids there in Melbourne, and that's in the northeast. Man's body's been recovered from the Yarra River after he was separated from friends while swimming in Melbourne's northeast, raising uh, the raising the state drowning toll and uh, perfect 10 uh, for record qualifying Jakarta Anthony uh, Jakara sorry no, I thought it was Jakarta no it's got no 10 it's got no it. oh alright and so he's won the 10th gold medal out of the possible 11 events in the 2024 FIS freestyle skiing season becoming Australia's most most successful World Cup moguls skier they jump over those moguls don't they that's a bit of fun and uh, what have we got now? South Africa. This is cricket, I suppose. Yes, cricket. Yes. Uh, uh, never really enjoyed cr- watching it either. It's like watching grass grow. Except when Kerry Packer started the one-day events. That was a bit of fun. They got all the colours out, you know, the green and the yellow for the Aussies and all these different colours. It looked quite good. Uh, so they've got um, – that's happening in Canberra at the moment – and uh, victory in Canberra, and uh, a rock climber has been seriously injured after falling 15 metres in Tasmania. Uh, A medical team was winched in to treat the man, but bad weather meant that it was four hours before he could be taken to hospital. And first-time publicans take over the reins of not one but two country watering holes, and we've got that happening here in New Zealand as well. The locals have been taking over over the pubs. Them are pretty old. Darren and, and uh, Dina uh, Tangi, they were looking for a, a career change when they decided to take on the challenge of running two outback pubs there in Australia. And uh, he was caught doing 205 kilometres per hour, 26-year-old's luxury Lexus is the new face on a road safety campaign. Uh, a forfeited Lexus is uh, turned into a roving anti-speed advertisement for encouraging drivers to slow down on Western Australia's southwest region 
they, as they record the worst regional road toll in the state's history. From clipped wings to bullet wounds and illegal pet keeping, rescuers reveal record animal harm. Wildlife rescuers are concerned by a rise in cruelty cases involving native species as more extreme weather events and, oh, yeah, well, it's got nothing to do with it. It's just changes. They're trying to throw the climate change in on this one as well. The extreme weather events and higher numbers of cars on the road paint a dire picture for animal welfare in the years to come. Oh, that's no good. We've got to take the cars off you then. That's the answer. Yes, yeah, if someone, a car rolls over, someone gets killed on Murawai Beach, and what do we do? Oh, we stop people from driving on the beach. No, 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 don't do that. So people are going to do stupid things, aren't they, from time to time? Just educate people of the risks, you know, and starts at home. Oh, I've got some fella, a really good dad, actually. I'll bring him on. We'll leave that news there where it is. That's Aussie news, so you Aussie listeners have had a bit of Aussie news. Um, i tell you what I'll do. I'm going to find... Um, I'm going to find you know, why you're watching the bull riding. I think we might have one person. <laughs> They've all deserted me over there. They must have gone to. We've got a lot more people on the streams now. No one on, on Rumble. I don't think no one there. I'll just quickly check and see if that, how many are there. No, just the two of you. <laughs> we had a, we had a few of you. So obviously, you must get in the car or something, and you're heading off to work. So you you tune in on the um or you. Go, use one of the apps, the radio app. I'm finding the the one that has the least ads is my tuner. That's quite good. So I've put that there. It's mytuna-radio.com, and we're in there. Just look under uh, either Liberty NZ. I think you even just look at the just type up the wireless there, and you'll find us over there at MyTuna. That seems to be the best. Zeno's uh, play uh, three ads in a row, and they're all the same. Not much fun. Now, what was I going to do? Oh, that's right. I was going to find you this great dad. We'll play another country song. How about that? Oh, no, not another country song. Yeah, what about Ashley McBride? She's here. We've got Donald Trump coming up right now, and then that's going to be followed by Ashley McBride and uh, Learn to Lie. Not a bad song. Here's Donald. They're talking about Donald Trump. Are you ready for some tough questions? You're going to be fair. Are you sure? be, I'm going to be fair. Just be fair. But you're okay with some tough questions? No, I'm not. I'm you're not okay with tough I questions? I want him to be fair. You, you don't ask Biden tough questions. You know, I didn't want to have this kind of angry. Of course you did. No, I didn't. Of course you did. No, I didn't. Well, then you brought up a lot of subjects that Well, I said I'm going to ask you tough up. questions. They were inappropriately but brought up right from the beginning. You know, your first question was, this is going to be tough questions. Why? You don't ask Joe Biden. I saw your interview with Joe, the interview with I Joe never Biden. did a Joe it Biden interview. It was a interview. Joe, the interview, 60 Minutes. I see Joe Biden giving softball after softball. Okay, but forget him for a minute. No, but you your start with me. Your president. And Excuse me, Leslie, you started with me. Your first statement was, are you ready for tough questions? Are you? That's no way to talk. It's no way to talk. I think we have enough of an interview here, Hope. Okay, that's enough. There's once a non-Jew asked his Jewish friend, he says, could you take me to your synagogue? He says, sure, come with me, Saturday morning, Sabbath morning services. The non-Jewish friend is asking what everything's about. So he says, what, what does that mean when everyone stands up and they, they step three steps backwards, and they step three steps forward, and the Jewish friend says, well, that's the standing prayer, and that's the main prayer of the Jewish service that we pray three times a day. And a little bit later, the non-Jewish friend asks his Jewish friend, he says, oh, what does that mean? They open that big curtain in the front, and they open that ark. He says, well, that's 
that's where we keep the Torah scrolls, and they're going to bring out the, the scrolls, and they're going to read uh, publicly from the scrolls. Oh, that's what that means. Well, after the Torah reading, the rabbi got up to the podium and says, what does that mean when the rabbi gets and stands up there? He says, well, that means the rabbi is going to say his sermon. And the rabbi took off his wristwatch. He put the watch down on the podium in front of him before he began to speak. And the, the non-Jewish friend says to the Jewish friend, what does that mean when the rabbi takes off his watch before his sermon and he puts it down on the podium in front of him? And the Jewish friend looks at his non-Jewish friend and says, unfortunately, not a darn thing. <laughs> Traced it back to a couple months before I was born I must have heard my mama tell my daddy That she was tired cause babies make you tired But deep down she was just unhappy I think my father did the best that he could do He rarely made it to the dinner table Said he was working late, but he was working late Fogging up the windows of an 89 sable I don't mean like stay when I want you to leave And when you don't come home or call and I swear I don't mind
the wonderful Ashley McBride with Learn to Lie. 14 minutes past seven with Grant Edwards on The World at Five. Laura Logan, now she's a former 60 Minutes correspondent, war correspondent, 35 years as a war correspondent, a beautiful looking woman as well, lives over in the United States. Now she's known as a conspiracy theorist, but uh, she knows quite a few people. How many people do you know that have died from the jabs? Do you know anyone? Laura knows quite a few. I don't know anyone that's died from COVID. Uh, Laura, she says, one, they call it died from COVID. Really, it's not really that at all. They've tested positive for COVID. But it doesn't mean to say that they've got COVID. And really, their testing is all up the Kyber. That's why they killed Kerry Mullis, in my opinion. That's just, I suspect they killed him just before COVID came out. He was a healthy 73-year-old a man from California, the inventor of the PCR test, and now he's dead just before because he was one of the greatest opponents of Fauci. He said Fauci doesn't know anything, doesn't know anything about anything. He looks at uh, something in an electron microscope and he, doesn't, he thinks he's found it. He said you can find a germ in it or fi- find a virus in it. He, didn't, and he doesn't understand electromicroscopy. Uh, I think that's how you say it, something like that. Electromicroscopy. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, anyway, here's Laura Logan. Listen to this carefully. Very interesting. She's talking to Steve Kirsch. Now, you can find him at Kirsch. That's K-I-R-S-C-H. It's got an S in it, C-H in it. K-I-R-S-C-H, kirsch.substack, substack.com. Go there, put your email in, and you can get the updates from Steve Kirsch. He's been doing quite a few interviews with our whistleblower here from the Ministry of Health. And he's not just some worker that sweeps the floors at the Ministry of Health. He was involved with who got paid for all the jabs, and he found out that a lot of people that had been jabbed had died, up to about 25-30% in some places, some jab centres. So a quarter of the people that got the jab died. This is Laura Logan talking about her personal experience of people that she knows that have been jabbed and are now no longer with us. You're listening to Grant Edwards, 88.1 FM, The Wireless, The World at Five. An urgent note to call my sister, one of my sisters in South Africa. And I found out when I made that call that my stepsister's wife had just died suddenly. And of course, you know, my family doesn't want to talk about vaccines, and she had. Um, she Did she just say, my stepsister's wife? My stepsister's wife? She married to Sheila. Yeah, she'd be, she'd be Lebanese, lesbian. She had health issues. And I'm just going to leave it there because, you know, of, of personal privacy. But I'm just going to say to you that. Um, I now, there's nobody that I know that hasn't lost a family member or a friend and multiple uh, family members. People are dying all around us and they're passing it off as heart attack, they're passing it off as cancer, they're passing it off as, you know, an autoimmune disease or an infection or whatever. But we have never seen so many people dying. And right, I, let me I mean, ask you, that for me is the truth. Right. So, so let me ask you this. The ratio of the number of people that you know in your family circle or friends or whatever, the number of people that you know who died from COVID versus the number of people that you know died from the COVID vaccine, what do you think that that ratio is? Is that two to one, 10 to one, three to one, one to oh, one? No. Uh, it, you know, um, the, you know, the thing is, Steve, only one person that I love died from COVID. Only one. And I'm, I know at least 20 people who've died from the vaccines. So it's 20 to 1. 
I mean, just in my personal anecdote. Okay. Yes. That's what All I right. So, you. so you're so so you're a former sixty minutes correspondent. Yep. What? Why can't you call up sixty minutes and say, "Look, in my personal experience, it's twenty to one vaccine killed versus COVID killed." How come you guys aren't writing running a story on this? You know, Steve, it's funny that you asked me that question. You're listening to Grant Edwards, 88.1 FM, The Wireless, The World at Five. Country Biography, Mary Jane Tomasi, on 88.1 FM, The Wireless. 17 minutes past seven, and uh, do we go, do we have news? I don't think we did. I think we went right through it, didn't we? Yeah, gosh, sorry about that. Well, it's all repetitive anyway. Jordan Peterson's coming up. Before then, let's uh, have a look and see what happened on this day in history. If you're having a birthday today, my son had one yesterday. Uh, he was um, 20, he's 24 now. 24, hard to believe. He's just a little boy, just a little chap just the other day. And now he's now he's a grown-up man now and telling me what to do. And, and quite often I do, do, do and say things that are probably aren't right. I, I do have that sort of pushing the boundaries a bit. And uh, so, yes, so and that happened uh, last night at dinner at his birthday party. I said something I shouldn't have done to some someone there, a French person. And, um, yes, uh, anyway, so I'm awfully sorry. I apologise unreservedly. Uh, I shouldn't have said that. I hope you forgive me. Uh, anyway, time's a wonderful healer. Now, on this day in 1842, we had the very first Auckland anniversary day that was com- commemorated with the arrival of Lieutenant Governor William Hobson in the Bay of Islands. And it was already, uh, you know, they'd already had the treaty all sort of written up and drafted up and they'd been taking it all around the country. Uh, sailing it up the country and taking it across land on horse and carts, that sort of thing, for the Maoris to have a look at to see if that's uh, something they want to be involved in, because they were the ones that called for it anyway, because they they were a bit uh, you know a bit worried about the uh, the women the, the problems with the whalers up in the Bay of Islands there, and you know all the raucous and the drunkenness and the prostitution that sort of thing, and also they and, the, and so were the missionaries they were concerned about the prostitution in particular. And also other tribes, they were still sort of eating each other, killing each other and eating each other. And so they really needed a treaty so they could come under the one law, the British law. They knew that they'd be better off running with the, the English than the French because they sort of had a bit of a problem up there in the Bay of Islands when they quite a few, um, if they sort of a bit of Utu from the French, they decided they're going to knock off a few. It's Assassination Cove up there in the Bay of Islands. So if you ever up sailing, there's a, there's a cove up there called Assassination Cove and it's got a bit of history to it. But anyway, this first regatta was on the harbour at Auckland, an impromptu race, three, a three-race affair. And it was held on the 18th of September in 1840 initially. Uh, the first day an advance party arrived to found the colony's new capital and uh, the government, they chose the 29th of January as Auckland's, Auckland Province's official anniversary day in 1841. And the first regatta was held the following year. And it gave way to, on this day, and it gave way to horse racing at Epsom for the next few years. But it revived again in 1850. The regatta became an annual event and uh, has, had been cancelled only in 1900 during, uh, during the South African War. Fighting as the boar. Fighting the boar, I say. And um, then in the early years, uh, races between the ships and gigs and dinghies and whaleboats and waka were even involved. Maori got involved, good on them, so they should. They're all part of the part of the Commonwealth. And uh, some of the most exciting racing was between working vessels, fishing boats of, and that sort of thing, centreboard mullet boats, scows. I've been on a mullet boat, you know, racing mullet boat in the Lipton Cup. 
And uh, powerboats also, they raced for the first time in 1903, and seaplanes even got in on the action in 1919. These days, there are races for waka, tugboats, dragon boats, radio-controlled, as well as the conventional yachts. And so today, it's going to be breezy, and it's going to be a very interesting day today, and Auckland Harbour is going to be absolutely choppy, (laughs) choppy as with boats everywhere, very windy. It's going to be fun and games on the Auckland Harbour as Auckland celebrates the the anniversary day regatta. And the first one, of course, was on the 29th of January on this day in 1842. That is the news as far as um, history is concerned. Uh, A couple of other things that happened uh, over the weekend too, we'll just whip back a couple of days. We'll go back to um, January the 27th, and on this day in 1962, Peter Snell, he breaks the world record for the mile. The 23-year-old Olympic 800-metre champion hoped to run the first four-minute mile on New Zealand soil. In fact, he broke the Australian's Herb Elliott's three-and-a-half-year world record by the smallest possible margin. That was 0.1 second. And that was uh, Peter Snell. And that happened on Saturday uh, in 1962. That, that was, uh, we all remember that, don't we? Peter Snell. There's a place up in Wangapurana Peninsula, I think it is, Wangapurana. Uh, and it's called uh, Snell's Village, I think. So like a c- camp for young young Christian people there. Go there, or people that aren't Christian would be better, wouldn't they? And I've been there. I've been there and had a look around. And it was run by, who was it run by? A car dealer, I think it was. A very nice car dealer. And uh, in 18, on the 28th of January in 1827, Derville, he sails through the French Pass in a feat of navigational daring. And after several attempts, the French explorer Jules Sebastien César de Mont Derville, <laughs> he sailed the Astrolabe from Tasman Bay through the narrow French Pass. And I've been through there and the currents through there, they were ripping through there. And luckily we had a, we had a skipper on board that knew what he was doing, took us through there into Admiralty Bay in the Marlborough Sounds. Also on the, the 28th of January in 1901, uh, Hardham, he wins the Victoria Cross in the South African War. Wellington blacksmith William Hardham, he served in South Africa uh, for the fourth New Zealand contingent, and he was the only New Zealander awarded the Victoria Cross during the South African War. Okay, let's uh, move across to stuff now and see what they've got on offer. Hundreds gather on the shore as uh, the Department of Conservation attempt to help a stranded whale in Christchurch. Uh, so that's the news there. We've also got in Wellington the woman's death results in a, a result of a violent act, apparently. Helen Gregory's body was found in her Kandala home on Wednesday, according to police. And a man who died after jumping from the crane into Wellington Harbour has been named. The incident on Friday afternoon, the man was seen leaping into the water but failed to surface. He's been named. If you want to know his name, you can go to Stuff, and they've got the got it there on the front page. And um, that was that. Wellington's uh, weather stumps the Foo Fighters. The band's final New Zealand stop was nearly a washout thanks to the capital's temperamental weather uh, appearing to spook rock royalty. Yeah, that's not so good. And uh, what else have we got? Fate three people. A fatal three-vehicle crash, rather. Two people have died and a serious, I think also two are seriously injured in a three-car crash on State Highway 1 in Canterbury in the South Island. And a couple's ordeal, an explosion, a crash and a crime scene. The most, most people face some type of adversary in their life, but Laura and Jeremy have had a particularly rough time. So what have they been up to? This is Jonathan Killick. He's reporting on this one. And uh, so it says here, yeah, oh, that's a bit of a long-winded, long-winded one there. Looks as though, what is this one about? This isn't there, Greenhithe. 
um, oh, the house burnt down. Electric bike went up. The battery on the electric bike went up in flames. He rushed over with a bucket of water, uh, but the bike's lithium battery was spewing sparks and flames. He said, I couldn't stop it spreading up the wall. The whole place went up within, within minutes, according to Jeremy. So that's just nasty. Yeah, we could stay away from that. There's nothing like the old combustion engine, good old diesel or something. They're pretty good now, aren't they? They've got a lot of torque, those new di- diesel engines. Marvellous. Lovely day today, isn't it? Gorgeous. If you can see the... If you can see the sky, if it's not cloudy where you are, you can see there's a big, almost a full moon. That's probably why I'm a bit weird. <laughs> full moon. It's still there in the sky, isn't it? Look at that. Part of it's disappeared. I can actually see blue right through it. Maybe it's, maybe it's, you can actually see right through the moon today. Look at that. See right, see the blue on the other side. Okay, so the uh, neighbours, they're anxious for answers as the homicide investigation continues. Locals describe the 79-year-old woman found dead in her Wellington home as a keen gardener and a quiet lady who kept to herself. Uh, Funerals without family are on the rise, so what happens? Oh, boy. Solipo Slade was buried with no um, next of kin. He's one of the rising number of Kiwis that do so. They're so falling out with the family members, I suppose, and uh, living living lonely lives. Some people like to be alone, though. Some people don't really like people. Uh, after COVID especially, you know, I don't really like going to town. I can't stand going to town. I lock the door now and go to town because we've obviously got George Soros or somebody paying young Maoris to go and, you know, rob people, breaking into houses, breaking into shops, violent, very violent at the moment, isn't it? Very violent. The violent minority. And that doesn't take much to get them going. Uh, David Seymour is on a mission to convince his coalition partners to revamp the tax system at this year's budget. Uh, That's interesting. The budget deficit lower than forecast, according to Treasury figures. And Willis, this is uh, Nicola Willis, she's the finance minister. She vows to press on with the tax cuts as the government books worsen. And uh, protesters, they throw soup at the Mona Lisa paintings, iconic 16th century paintings. has been uh, 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 behind a protective glass at the Louvre, uh, the Louvre in uh, Paris, central Paris. That's been splashed by half-wits. And uh, Sinner, uh, Sinner, the whole family are there of Sinners, and uh, he's the tennis player out of all the Sinners. There, He makes a stunning comeback at the... Uh, to win the Australian Open. His name is Yannick. I would say it's Yannick. It looks like Janik, but I think that they pronounce, they don't pronounce the J. It's just a y- Yannick Sinner. He's become the first Melbourne champion in a decade to, um, to, 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 to what? To not named Djokovic. Decide to not named Djokovic. What does that mean to make sense? Champion in a decade, not named Jack. Oh, I see. Oh, I see what you're getting at. Yes, so he's yes, so he's he's doing well. He's knocking off old um, the Novaks Djokovic. Good on you, Novaks. And then we've got the large whale stranded there. This is now where are we now? We're RNZ again, back there again. Uh, news. I'll just do a refresh on that. What do they say about world news? Ah, uh, the Mona Lisa. Uh, what else have we got? UN is urging a reversal of the funding pause for. Arab, the Arab agency in Palestine, Palestinians, officials vowed that any staff found to be involved with Hamas, the Muslim terrorists, uh, their attack on Israel on October the 7th, will be punished and warned that aid for some of, some two million people in Gaza will be chopped off. And uh, three U.S. Troop, troops have been killed in a drone attack in Jordan. U.S. President Joe Biden said that the attack was carried out by radical Iran-backed militants. Well, no, he read a script, they told him. What to say? Joe Biden vows border shutdown if Congress passes the deal. President Joe Biden, uh, his comments came as he pushed U.S. lawmakers to pass a bipartisan border security bill. Oh, yeah, it's a bit late now, mate. And Trump says that he feels mentally sharp after Haley's attack on stage. 
on the, the gaffes about his, um, you know, oh, talking a load of rubbish. Donald Trump said he feels sharper than he did 20 years ago, re, uh, reacting to the recent attacks on his age and verbal gaffes at, um, or golfs at by the Republican presidential rival Nikki Haley. I don't like her. No, I don't like her. I like, I like Donald Trump. Uh, North Korea, they fire cruise missiles off the East Coast. The missiles launch following months of weapons testing by the uh, by community North Korean raising tensions. Testing by community. I don't know what that means. And then you've got that fellow. He's bought um, a, um, a Star Wars, the uh, what they call a Jawa figure. It was found in the loft in, um, where was it? Somewhere over there. One of those Sheffield or somewhere like that in the UK. I think it was. And uh, $40,000 New Zealand. Uh, it was worth, and that was sold at auction. It's exceptionally rare, actually, those Star Wars figures found in a loft. And uh, so it outstripped its estimate after attracting world interest at auction. And uh, there we are. So that's just about it. Now, what's it? Oh, the Finns, they choose a new president for NATO era with Russia in mind. All nine candidates in Sunday's election are promising tough stance towards Russia. Just rubbish, just NATO. They're doing what... what um, London and Washington tell them to do. They're sort of like um, on life support NATO, aren't they? Of course, we know the Antichrist is going to take over anyway. Uh, why don't we go to the bulletin at uh, 6 o'clock with Radio New Zealand, see if they've got a bulletin for us. They had a 6 o'clock, oh, 7 o'clock bulletin. That'll be there now. We'll find out what the latest is with news. If I can find one, gosh, they don't seem to have one. Uh, where's your news? Uh, and we'll go back a bit there, go to the homepage. Maybe they've got it there. Uh, there we go. Here's the 7 o'clock bulletin uh, with Radio New Zealand. you find them at rnz.co.nz. It's 29 minutes to 8. The time flies, doesn't it? RNZ News at 7. Konga kārere o te reo irarangi o Aotearoa. Good morning. I bet you don't know what you just said. Uh, you just, we just, just parrot it. I got top mark for Maori ra- ra- pronunciation when I was at Radio New Zealand and we didn't have a clue what we were saying. Well, they said it was good. I got a top mark. Yeah, must be good. I'm Nicola Wright. Hello, Nicola. How are you this morning? I hope you're doing well. Say hello to all the fa- all the ch- all the chaps there and all the pedophiles at RNZ. The ACT Party leader David Seymour is trying to convince his coalition partners to flatten the tax system in this year's budget. Finance Minister Nicola Willis is promising tax relief this year, and has agreed to look at whether aspects of ACT's plan can be incorporated. Here's our deputy political editor, Craig McCulloch. ACT wants to scrap the lowest tax threshold at 10.5%, meaning the government would collect more revenue in total from all taxpayers. Some of the extra money raised would then be returned to low- and middle-income earners through a targeted tax credit. The extra money left over would then allow the government to reduce the highest tax rates. Treasury officials are doing the maths as to whether Nationals' tax relief could be delivered through that model. And Mr Seymour says he's hopeful his coalition partners will see the merit. A neighbour of the 79-year-old woman found dead at her Wellington home says residents of Baroda Street are anxious for answers. A homicide investigation has been launched. Helen Gregory was found dead at her Candala property on Wednesday night and the police say her death was a result of a violent act. Stephen Watt says the neighbourhood has been left feeling shaken. It's pretty sad really to know that someone in your own street, a neighbour, especially an older lady living on her own, that that's happened to to someone like that, especially in a quiet little street like this. But I suppose there's a few concerned residents, but they just want to know what the the full story is. He described Ms Gregory as a quiet woman who kept to herself. 
A drone attack in Jordan has killed three members of the U.S. military. More than 20 others were injured in the attack on a U.S. outpost near the border with Syria. Here's the BBC's Grant Ferret. U.S. bases and ships in the Middle East have repeatedly come under fire since the Gaza conflict began in October. But the three service personnel in Jordan are the first Americans to be killed in the region since then. President Biden said the attack had been carried out by Iranian-backed militants operating in Syria and Iraq. In a statement, Mr Biden condemned the attack as despicable and wholly unjust. He said the United States would continue its fight against what he called terrorism. And he warned of retaliation, saying we will hold all those responsible to account at a time and in a manner of our choosing. Protesters have thrown soup at the glass-protected Mona Lisa painting in Paris. The 16th century painting by Leonardo da Vinci is held at the Louvre. It sits behind bulletproof glass and hasn't been damaged. A video shows two female protesters wearing T-shirts reading Food Response, throwing soup at the painting. They then stand in front of it, demanding the right to healthy and sustainable food, saying the agricultural system is sick. An international relations expert believes the government could do more to investigate the death of a New Zealand aid worker in Ukraine. Andrew Bagshaw died alongside British volunteer Chris Parry while evacuating civilians in the Solidar region in January 2023. Post-mortem reports in the UK and Ukraine found both were killed by gunshot wounds to their heads and other body parts. International relations professor Robert Patman says if Ukrainian investigators are unable to look at the case, the government should investigate a potential war crime of one of its citizens. It's very important, I think, uh, that New Zealand walks the talk about upholding the rule of law, even at the time of war. And that is our official position, so we need to be active as we can to pursue this. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs says international authorities are best placed to investigate the death. Parents and educators are feeling both excited and nervous about the year ahead as a big curriculum shake-up is on the cards. The government wants to improve achievement with standard testing and introducing compulsory reading, writing and maths hours for primary schools. A Wellington parent, Patrick Tuapola, says he wants his son to have a well-rounded education. We are more looking for him developing friendships and empathy and other sort of soft skills. If the curriculum changes such that it's, you know, much more focused on testing, we're a little less comfortable with that, to be honest. Education researcher Nina Hood says education should be holistic, but ensuring children learn the basics is part of that. Conservationists are checking the condition of a large whale stranded near suburban Christchurch. The whale got stuck on a sandbar in the shallow estuary at Monks Bay last night. Department of Conservation staff and the rescue organisation Project Jonah tried to help the whale last night but had to stop at sunset. A decision is expected this morning on whether the whale can be refloated. A lake once called one of Auckland's hidden gems remains closed almost a year on from Cyclone Gabrielle. Lake Wainamu, which is bordered by large black sand dunes, closed because the nearby car park and walking tracks sustained damage. Auckland Council says sections will be able to reopen once more parking is available. The nearby loop track is likely to be closed for several years, though, because parts of that need to be replaced. And Auckland Zoo's Sumatran tiger habitat is closed to the public because one of its new cubs was hurt in a fall. The cub's one of two siblings born earlier this month. The zoo says the male cub was exploring the enclosure on Saturday when he took a tumble. 
He was moved to the vet hospital but reintroduced to his mother and sister yesterday after showing signs of improvement. However, the zoo says the tiger's habitat will stay closed for a while to provide a quiet environment for the cub's recovery and to keep him suckling normally. That's the news. Thank, Thank you very much. Thank you, Nicola. And um, we're going to have a look at uh, we're going to look at neighbourly.co.nz in just a moment about the fluoride flacker. It flares up again in the Whangarei District Council. That's coming up very shortly. It's twenty two minutes of eight. Doesn't caffeine just make you feel like you're not tired? Ah, so this is a really cool mechanism. There's actually a trick to avoid the daytime, uh, the afternoon crash. It's not a trick. It's biology, but caffeine is an adenosine antagonist. It basically, as the longer you're awake, adenosine, or Matt Walker would say adenosine, adenosine builds up in your bloodstream. It's what makes you feel fatigued. Caffeine essentially blocks the adenosine receptor, but then when caffeine wears off, the adenosine that's still around binds to that receptor and you crash. You feel really sleepy. Mm -hmm. So one thing that you can do is when you wake up in the morning, don't ingest caffeine for the first 90 minutes or so, like really push that off so that the adenosine and adenosine receptor interactions can all take place and dissipate. Then you drink caffeine. And what you'll find is that if normally you would crash around two or three in the afternoon, you don't experience that crash anymore Mm. because the caffeine wears off, but there isn't a lot of adenosine there to bind the receptor. There we are, 21 minutes to wait, and we're overlooking at um, what's happening up with the Whangarei District Council. Now, the latest bid to pause fluoridation in the Whangarei water supply has failed after a heated council debate. About 300 Whangarei residents uh, will now be surveyed on what they think about the introduction of fluoride into the town's drinking water. The phone survey comes after intense debate around the council table at the Whangarei District Council meeting last month over whether to stop pause or continue fluoridation. Debate flares up again after the recent High Court ruling that the Director-General of Health, Sir Ashley Bloomfield's 2022 directive to the Council to fluoridate was invalid. Uh, Work will continue on getting about $4 million of fluoridation infrastructure in place ahead of the Ministry of Health's uh, deadline that all Whangarei's drinking water must be fluoridated by the end of the year. Marie Olsen sought to pause this work until the legal position could be clarified on the High Court's ruling. However, her push was lost uh, in a vote, 7-6, and uh, 7-6 vote on both sides refused to shift in a fluoride frac- uh, fracture with roughly the same number of councillors on opposite sides. The debate played out uh, in the public gallery that was filled with anti-fluoride campaigners Rightly so, it dumbs you down, makes your kids dopey. They want us all a bit dumb. And uh, they urged, they they were using sign language. They were waving this silent hand-waving, New Zealand sign language version of noisy clapping to support politicians who spoke against introducing the fluoride. Council's general manager, infrastructure, of infrastructure, his name is Jim, Jim Sefton, he said the council's legal advice was that the directive from Sir Ashley Bloomfield still stood, even though the judges overruled it and said that it was unlawful. He said until the outcome of the February 2nd, uh, that's coming up, isn't it? The relief hearing is known. Council's legal position in relation to the directives, the funding agreement, the contract for delivery of works uh, have not changed, he said. Uh, He goes on to say that it would appear to be premature to take any alternative actions until the outcome of the relief hearing is known. The cost of stopping or or pausing fluoridation implementation would be about $9 million. 
including the Ministry of Health's $200,000 fine for not meeting the directive and an ongoing $10,000 daily penalty cost. Uh, Mayor Vince Cucurillo, he said that the council would take notice on the February ruling and the implications of the changes on fluoridation that might come through from the new government. Sefton said that the High Court had not quashed the directive on November the 10th, neither had it said that the fluoridating water supplies was unlawful. The High Court findings related only to the process used to making the directive. A Ministry of Health letter to the Council on November the 17th said that it was considering the implications of the High Court ruling. However, the letter from the Ministry indicated that the original direction remains in force at this time, Sefton said. He said there... Uh, he said that there would be a potential cost of about $9 million in stopping or pausing the fluoridation infrastructure implementation contract. He told councillors that the council had already received the Ministry's Health First. What was that? He said that he told, the Ministry of Health's First 2.0. Oh, I see. They've received it from the government, the $2.2 million pay towards the fluoridation implementation, pausing or terminating the fluoridation construction and consultancy contracts for installing fluoridation equipment would be as high as $1.33 million. The phone survey of Whangarei residents will update community feedback from going back to 2002, uh, the council reformation of local, uh, sorry, referendum of local residents, where 62% of those polled said that they did not want fluoridation in their drinking water. They don't want fluoride, and rightly so. Okay, with 17 minutes, no, 16 minutes to, I think it is, you're getting close to it, yeah, 16 minutes to um, to the hour of 8 o'clock. We'll have TNT Radio News at 8. I'll bring you up to date with the weather as well for the whole country and also the extended forecast coming up at 8 o'clock. Did I say 8 or 7? Seven? Seven, I think I said 8 then, but was it 7 before? No, there was something. I had that father and um, that dad, and it was very interesting. Now, where is he now? I've got him there before we hear from Jordan uh, about illness. You've got to be careful with illness. You don't want to sort of like just go to bed and switch off from the world. You've, there's things you can do even though you are ill. Um, what did he hear from Douglas Murray? Oh, there's a, there's a good one. I've got this um, an interesting little one from a, an interview done with a Russian billionaire, Stephen uh, Colbert. He's interviewing this Russian billionaire. We heard Laura Logan, didn't we, talking about 20 people that she knows that have died from vaccine injuries and only one person from who tested positive for COVID that's passed away. But no, there was one on a dad, and he was very interesting. The Jewish rabbi joke, that was funny. Let's hear that first. That's a bit of fun. There's once a non-Jew asked his Jewish friend, he says, could you take me to your synagogue? He says, sure, come with me. Saturday morning, Sabbath morning services. The non-Jewish friend is asking what everything's about. So he says, what, what does that mean when everyone stands up and they, they step three steps backwards, and they step three steps forward? And the Jewish friend says, well, that's the standing prayer. And that's the main prayer of the Jewish service that we pray three times a day. And a little bit later, the non-Jewish friend asks his Jewish friend, he says, oh, what does that mean? They open that big curtain in the front and they open that ark. He says, well, that's where we keep the Torah scrolls and they're going to bring out the, the scrolls and they're going to read uh, publicly from the scrolls. Oh, that's what that means. Well, after the Torah reading, the rabbi got up to the podium. He says, what does that mean when the rabbi gets and stands up there? He says, well, that means the rabbi is going to say his sermon. And the rabbi took off his wristwatch. He put the watch down on the podium in front of him before he began to speak. And the, the non-Jewish friend says to the Jewish friend, what does that mean when the rabbi takes off his watch before his sermon and he puts it down on the podium in front of him? And the Jewish friend looks at his non-Jewish friend and says, unfortunately, not a darn thing. <laughs> 
Now, that wasn't the one I wanted, but anyway. Now, we've got this How to Raise Kids. This granddad here, he knows how to raise kids. This, you could learn a lot from this. People don't know how to raise children. When my kid came to me and he said, Daddy, a wheel came off my toy car, and he gave it to me. And I said, so it did. I threw it in the garbage, and I went back to my magazine. And I washed that lower lip car off. Then he started <laughs> I said, what's the matter? He said, you throw it away. I said, I'll get your baby toys where the wheels don't come off. He said, well, maybe I can fix it. So I gave it all again. And he's sitting on the couch, and he gets it together. In just a minute or two, gets it together. Then you pick my, how did you do that? It's wonderful. He says, I'm not that little. Mm-hmm. But how did you do it? See the hole in the wheel, yes. See the piece of iron sticking up? I put the hole in and I pushed them. Mm-hmm. I said, that's wonderful. But if you say, here, let daddy do it, let mommy do it, you produce a blob. You know what that means? <laughs> you solve all your kids' problems. That's right. No good doing that for them. You've got he, he's he's onto it, isn't he? The old granddad. Now, what do you think about homosexuality? Mm. Homosexuality also happens in nature. Do they have you want you want you want to go to that or just go to that? So you're saying because animals do this particular action, it should be no, we're using that as a standard for human beings, yeah? Not as a standard, but it's like okay. it's not unfamiliar in the animal world. Animals eat their young, so should we be eating babies? No. Why not? Animals do it. Animals do incest. Should we be doing it? No. So do you realize, no disrespect, about how ridiculous using animals as a source of morality is not the greatest mor- source of morality? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fourteen minutes to eight. I can't find that none. I can't find her at all. I don't know where she's gone. Where's she gone? I had this nun there. She was good. She was talking about homosexuality. That's not the one. That's not the one I wanted. Where is she? A nun. Uh, I can't find her. No, we've got Trump. No, we've got Chelsea Gabbard. No, Vivek Ramaswamy. No, um, no, I can't find her. I don't know what I've done with her. I must have put her somewhere else. Anyway, this is a, this is a Russian billionaire being interviewed. He's a clever fellow. What's the best thing to own if you're super rich? Do you have a, do you have a yacht? Just a piece of advice for you, yes. Steve. Yeah. Don't be attached to things. Be free. Okay. But you do have a yacht, right? Yes, I have. Okay. But, <laughs> but I don't know where the heck it is. You don't know where your yacht is? <laughs> no. This is why we can't have nice things. Do you have a sports team? Only Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> More like the Brooklyn Nets, right? Yeah, right. 13 minutes to 8 and soul-destroying. We're over at, um, where are we now? NewZealandHerald.co.nz. That's where you'll find them. Soul-destroying. Um, finance firm's secret payout after destroying content of fashion designers' home. Good grief. We better have a look at it. Well, if they'll let us read it, I think they will. Hopefully they will. Uh, story by uh, Lane Nichols. And, uh, yes, a finance company which won vacant possession of an Auckland couple's home after a repayment dispute put the entire contents into storage ahead of a mortgagee sale and then had them destroyed without the owner's permission. So uh, Nicola Kest and Stephen Penny, they sued First Mortgage Custodians, FMC, uh, that's um, the First Mortgage Managers, FMM, yes, FMM, for nearly $350,000, claiming their lost contents included valuable furniture and tools and items of huge sentimental value, including... Keith's mother's wedding dress and family photographs. The FMC, or they were within their rights as a mortgagee to store the contents and sell the property, a High Court judge found. 
but there were questions about whether they could legally dispose of the couple's personal belongings. In what's thought to be the first case of its kind in New Zealand, the couple sought damages from FMC, claiming it had breached its duty of care and was liable for their losses by unlawfully destroying items it did not own. Uh, the case had been dragging its way through the courts for several years until FMC and FMM reached a confidential financial settlement with the couple last month, ahead of the matter going to trial, uh, meaning civil action against the companies is now at an end. However, the couple are also suing Auckland Council for millions of dollars in relation to the case. They claim unreasonable delays issuing a Code of Compliance Certificate, a CCC we call it here, for an apartment development on another property Keith's owned in McLeod Road in Teatatu. It triggered a series of events that left them unable to refinance their mortgage arrangements with FMC in 2018. They say this led to FMC foreclosing on their clifftop Waiuku property where they'd planned to build their dream home and retire. She said they mucked us around and mucked us around, says Keith, this is the fashion designer that he told the Herald. He said, I haven't, is that the he or the he? I'm not sure. They haven't had all the property returned and I've never had an apology for that. Uh, Keith, he filed proceedings in 2020. Uh, it's a she. She told the Herald she she and Penny were seeking up to $7 million in damages from the Auckland City Council for its handling of the resource consent applications and the ongoing fallout on their lives. The CCC, that's the Code of Compliance, was eventually issued in 2019, three years since they've applied for it, after the couple sought a determination from the Ministry of Business, Innovation and Employment, the MBIE. The draft MBIE determination reversed the council's decision to withhold the, the code of compliance, but a final version upheld the council's decision subject to the capital rectif rectifying, rectifying issues with the firewall and the building maintenance, which Keith said was completed within a weekend. The expert opinion by the former council officer, Eddie Saul, required uh, in support, or rather hired, in support of Keith's legal claims, they hired him, uh, claims that the council acted in contempt of the requirements of the Building Act. He said the overall performance of the Auckland Council in relation to this consent appears arrogant, overbearing, bullying, and uh, just, just absolutely awful, uh, really. And a lovely photograph of them there. Is that a nice photo? Well, look, look, some of the photographs. She's got one there of her mother from 1959. Personal belongings. They've all been destroyed by, by the bank. So, they're not very good. Settlement with FMC was a victory, though she would have liked her day in court. The main object was to make sure that that doesn't happen again. I don't want anyone else to go through this, not only by council's actions, but through the actions of the secondary lenders, Keist said. There we are. What happened to me is not fair and reasonable, and the law is meant to be there to uphold these principles. I'm concerned that the, there are others they may go through a similar soul-destroying experience. The court documents obtained by the New Zealand Herald showed Keats took a $1.2 million mortgage with FMC in 2015 over the Teatatu and the Waiuku properties. After a default on the mortgage, FMC sold the Waiuku property from, at mortgagee's auction in 2018 for $340,000. Doesn't sound very much. Well below its then capital value. Um, Kest claims that the default was immediately remedied and only occurred because she had been forced to pay high second-tier interest rates because the Teatatu property couldn't be refinanced with standard lenders without 
CCC, a code of compliance. In 2021, the decision by Associate Judge Roger Bell says the couple left their household contents in the Waiuku home when FMC took possession of the property as mortgagee in December 2017. FMC then moved the belongings into storage after sending warning letters asking Keats to collect them. Well, why didn't they collect them? While the contents were in storage, FMC also asked if Keats, is that how you say it? Keats, Kist, yeah, Kist was to uplift these goods. Later, the mortgagees had the belongings destroyed. Well, why didn't they go and collect them? The couple argued that they weren't given the chance to remove their belongings themselves because FMC served a trespass notice on them. I see. And they hadn't consented to the chattels being disposed of. The couple jointly sued Crown, uh, Crown Worldwide New Zealand, that's the moving company, isn't it, who moved the chattels and held them in storage. But Judge Bell later ruled the company had been acting on FMC's instruction was not liable. FMC argued that it would be within its rights to remove items and later destroy them after the, giving the Keats. Uh, their clear warning. But Judge Bell said it was not, he was not satisfied that FMC had a legal basis to destroy the chattels. He described this as a new question in New Zealand which should be fully examined at trial. Oh, it's just terrible fashion designer Nicola Keats. Uh, it's not Keats, it's Keast, it's a hard one to say, it's the East with a K in front of it, yeah, suing, she's suing the Auckland Council, there she is, asked why she did not collect her belongings, Keats, Keast told the Herald both her parents had died in the months leading up to the Waiuku home repossession, she was also dealing with the, uh, the city of the compliance with the city, that saga, and uh, had been hopeful of securing finance from another lender to prevent the mortgagee sale going through. She said, I just, it just became too hard, I thought, okay, I'll leave it in storage because at least it will be safe. There was no reason for them to destroy it. The first mortgage trust chief executive, Paul Bendel, said that at all times throughout all, lo- uh, all this loan, throughout this loan, we have followed professional advice and have worked hard to resolve this through ongoing communication with those involved. We have now settled and resolved this matter privately without an admission of liability. Auckland Council Acting Associate General Counsel for Litigation and Disputes Resolution, Sarah Han, said the council was defending the couple's claim and expected to be set down for trial later this year. She said, as this matter is currently before the court, we're not uh, not appropriate for the council to take any further com- make any further comment, I should say. So there we are. Oh, so that's a poor... It's horrible when that happens later on in your life, isn't it? And you lose everything. But I suppose it's a bit like that Russian billionaire. You don't want to put too much, too much trust in uh, things because they they don't always, they're not always there, are they? What's more important is just have food, good food, plenty of protein, lots of meat, and um, you know raiment, clothing, and uh, a shelter. That's really all we need, and we should just be thankful to our good Lord, our Creator, that we have those things. And just you know, you can't take them to, you can't take them with you, can you? You know, you don't see. Who was it now? I think it was. Um, one of those country singers, I think George Strait said, I've never seen a, oh, lots of people have said this, I think, never seen a hearse with um, all the luggage on in the back there. You can't take it with you. And uh, so what's more important is to find out what's going to happen to you when you do die, when you kick that bucket and you're dead, uh, what's going to happen to you? I can't imagine being dead, <laughs> can you? Some people say they can. Some people say, I can't imagine living forever, but I can. I think it'd be wonderful. And I think there's something dark about that, something dark there deep within them that they can't imagine 
living forever. I can. I think that that's a natural thing for us to. Uh, we just can't imagine that we're dead. And the, and if you if you feel that you you don't want to live forever, then there's something something really odd going on there. I don't know whether it's spiritual or mental. Something weird happening to you. Coming up to news, I better put the um, TNT radio news on uh, in the background there in my ear, just in case uh, I do what I did last time. I think at 7 o'clock, I think I talked right through it, didn't I? I don't even remember the news. I don't know. The, the hours just tick away so quickly. And it looks like it's going to be a windy day today for me, but so I'll have some work to do. I've got, um, got a whip into town there, pick up a hydraulic hose for the tractor. I blew another hydraulic hose. Uh, the, not the digger this time. Two, I've spent, uh, well, the farm spent about $1,000 on hydraulic hoses. Very expensive. <laughs> and it uh, looks like I've got to do a um, track adjustment too on the track. One of the tracks keeps oozing grease out of it, won't hold it. So I've got to rip that out sometime today. Uh, so I'll probably wait. I'm glad we've got some wind because that wind should dry everything up quite well. And then I'll bring the old digger around, pump it up full of grease, waste another tube of grease, you know, the 15 to 20 bucks on grease and then bring it up onto the flat area there where I can work on it and um, whip the track off, slightly off, not too far off, and then I'll pull that um, track adjustment um, sort of like a fill with grease and that, that pushes the idler wheel out on the digger so that you keep your tracks not too tight because if you have them too tight, it wears a lot. You just want them to, you know, just, you know, when you stand, when you step on, you know, it's just got to be just a bit slack so you don't get too much wear. But I have to work on that. Then whip into town and pick up the um, hydraulic hose and once I've got the hydraulic hose, I've got to get that back on. I had, oh, we had hydraulic oil everywhere. Do you know you can actually make diesel oil out of hydraulic, you know, used waste, you know, hydraulic oil? You just add a bit of petrol to it. <laughs> Not too much, though, <laughs> as I found. Just put a little bit in, and uh, you can run a diesel engine on it. Uh, it's quite good, your hydraulic oil. So if you can find someone that's getting rid of hydraulic oil, because apparently they're not allowed to sell it, but they are allowed to... Um, give it to you so if you get the hydraulic oil you can actually make your diesel engines run wonderful invention with the diesel engine mr diesel invented those all right we're going to go across to tnt radio news at eight and i'll be back after eight and i'll give you a weather update here we go be a part of the conversation and follow tnt radio on gab getter and twitter now tnt radio news recapping some of the news that shaped the week i'm matt boyland donald trump became another step closer to retaking the white house after winning New Hampshire's Republican primary in a landslide vote on Tuesday. The ex-commander-in-chief cruising to victory, putting him on a path to a potential rematch with Democratic President Joe Biden in November. It's the first time since 1976 that a Republican has swept competitive votes in both Iowa, where Trump won by a record-setting margin, and New Hampshire. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis had dropped out of the race two days before Tuesday's vote, pulling the pin on his presidential campaign and throwing his support behind Trump. DeSantis conceding he had no clear path to victory following his second-place finish in Iowa, where he lost to the commander-in-chief by some 30 points. It's clear to me that a majority of Republican primary voters want to give Donald Trump another chance. They watch his presidency get stymied by relentless resistance, and they see Democrats using lawfare this day to attack him. Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. That is clear. He has my endorsement because we can't go back to the old Republican guard of yesteryear, a repackage formed of warmed over corporatism that Nikki Haley represents. Despite Tuesday's loss, Trump's only remaining rival for the Republican nomination, Nikki Haley, vowed to fight on. This race is far from over. There are dozens of states left to go. And now we're the last one standing next to Donald Trump. 
Meanwhile, according to CNN, 70% of those who voted for Nikki Haley were not registered Republicans. CNN speaking with one Democrat who openly admitted voting for Haley on Tuesday while pledging to vote for Biden in the general election. Why did you vote for Nikki Haley? Uh, it's a vote against Trump. Uh, I think it would be better to have her against Biden. Do you consider yourself generally independent, Republican or Democrat? Uh, Democrat. So when you undeclared you voted for Nikki Haley. If it was Nikki Haley against Joe Biden in a general election, who are you voting for? Joe Biden. In other news, despite fueling global tensions and funding two foreign wars since he took office, the White House claims President Biden has done a top job. US National Security Spokesman John Kirby telling MSNBC that Biden's foreign policies are among his greatest achievements. One of the things that President Biden has done very ably in the last three years is shore up alliances and partnerships and prove that American leadership on the world stage actually stands for something and can achieve results. And if we falter here, if we fail to support Ukraine, the message it sends to allies is quite the contrary. And, and I don't think that's good for anybody's national security, including ours. Meanwhile, with that said, Russia hit out at the West this week for arming Ukraine with cluster bombs and depleted uranium shells that it claims have been used against civilians. Using weapons supplied by NATO, Ukraine was accused of bombing a busy market in Russia's Donetsk People's Republic last Sunday, killing nearly 30 civilians and wounding 20 more. Speaking at the UN Security Council, Russia's Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov said the West was equally responsible for the attack for having supplied Kyiv with the weapons used. The death merchants do not have a problem with the fact that their weapons, including cluster munitions and those with depleted uranium, are methodically mercilessly and deliberately being used against civilian facilities, as it was during the strike on residential areas of Belgorod on December 30th and on the market and shops in Donetsk yesterday. The blood of dozens of dead civilians is on the hands of those who arm Zelensky's regime. You're listening to Grant Edwards, 88.1 FM, The Wireless, The World at Five.